This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. On the same day as the GOP debate, Tucker Carlson will be interviewing Donald Trump. We don't know if it'll be the exact same time, but this is... It's going to be very, very bad for the GOP debate, and it gives Trump exactly what he wants, center stage with no interruptions. And a lot of people are attacking Trump, saying he should debate. And the argument uh, from the Trump camp is that why? Why would he give airtime to any of his detractors and opponents? Now what's going to happen is that Trump's going to be doing this interview with Tucker. It's going to smash the Internet. And I think the ratings for the GOP debate will be much smaller than they'd, they'd hoped. Partly this is due to Fox putting out this memo, or I should say there's a story where Fox was saying that no one can rebroadcast or restream the debate. Well, okay, then no one will talk about it. So we'll talk about that as and also as sort of a follow up to the conversation we were having this morning on the culture war with Trump versus DeSantis and where that goes. And then we've got some big cultural news, two big stories. One, Elon Musk says he's going to get rid of the block feature on X, which has everyone on X losing their minds. Although I don't think it's the biggest story in the world. It could result in X getting banned from Apple if he actually does this. So we'll see how that plays out. We got a bunch of other stories. Some are a bit more fun. It's Friday night, so we'll goof off a little bit. Kid Rock reportedly was seen drinking a Bud Light. And we're all deeply offended, but uh, we'll, we'll investigate this one as well. Before we get started, my friends, head over to InkSlayerEntertainment.com. This is a comic. They have a comic, Seven Legions. This is produced by a member of TimCast.com. And uh, we're, we're really grateful for everybody who is a member. And so we do these Friday shout outs. This is Michael Beacon producing this entertainment, these comics. If you want to support the work of our members, if you want to support new cultural endeavors and take a look for new comics, new art, inkslayerentertainment.com. The link is in the description below. And again, this is one of our members. So we're shouting you guys out on Fridays. Check this stuff out. It's a comic, Seven Legions by Beacon. An orphan becomes a samurai who takes on the greatest threat the Seven Legions have ever faced. 50-page epic adventure containing issues one and two. If we're going to win a culture war, we have to support those who are making that culture. So check out inkslayerentertainment.com for 25 bucks. You can pick up this comic and know this. You're supporting people who have similar values to you, and you are helping create a new industry of art and entertainment outside of the, these, these woke institutions. So uh, shout out to Mike Beacon, Michael Beacon, and uh, the work you're doing. Thank you for being a member. And uh, I hope everybody goes and checks out the comic and buys it. Also, head over to TimCast.com. Click join us. Become a member directly to get access to our huge library of members-only shows where, uh, as of recent, we've got you guys actually calling in and asking questions, so it's a lot of good fun, and we have this uh, huge library. We won't have a members-only show today. It's Monday through Thursday at 10 p.m. after the show, but check it out, and uh, you can follow the show at TimCast IRL. You can follow me at TimCast. Smash the like button. Subscribe to this channel. Share the show with your friends on social media, wherever you can. That really, really does help. Joining us tonight to talk about this and a whole lot more is Laura Loomer. Thanks for having me. Who are you? What do you do? <laughs> well, uh, my name's Laura Loomer. I'm an investigative journalist and a conservative activist. I got my career started working uh, undercover at Project Veritas with James O'Keefe, where I worked undercover uh, exposing voter fraud. And I was embedded uh, inside the Hillary Clinton campaign uh, exposing corruption. And after I went on uh, or completed working with Project Veritas and James O'Keefe, I uh, then started my own media company. And I then... Um, 
you know, started making my videos, which were called Loomered videos, and uh, amassed a very large online following and found myself uh, banned on every single social media site. So then I ran for Congress. Yeah, I was really one of the first people to be completely deplatformed as well. So uh, now I'm doing everything that I can to help President Trump. I'm sure a lot of your uh, a lot of your viewers are familiar with uh, who I am and the work that I've done. And if they aren't, it's probably because I was deplatformed for seven you, years. They banned you because you're too effective. Yes. When when you got banned from Twitter, <laughs> you cuffed yourself to the doors of Twitter. Yeah, their and then, headquarters. And you became the top trend on the platform that tried to remove you. You uh, what, what else did you, you had migrants go to Nancy Pelosi's house? Is that one thing? Yeah. So when they uh, wouldn't when they wouldn't uh, give the funding right <laughs> to President Trump. Remember when Nancy Pelosi shut the government down? Yeah. It was the longest uh, shutdown in uh, U.S. history. And uh, I just decided, well, this is ridiculous. It seems like they just want to have open borders. And yet they live in mansions, a lot of these politicians, and they have their own secure homes. And uh, she had said, I remember laying in bed watching the press conference in her bright pink blazer. She said, a wall is an abomination. A wall is an immorality, an immorality. And it is not who we are as a nation. And I said, well, Nancy Pelosi has like 25 mansions and they all have walls. <laughs> so I was in Arizona at the time and I, uh, I drove a rental car down to the U.S.-Mexico um, border and I crossed over uh, at the Ote Mesa line just to show people with my cameraman how easy it was to do. Wow. And I said, well, you know, now that I'm in California, I hear there's a lot of really nice, generous uh, Democrat politicians that think we should have sanctuary. Let's go find them. And I went to the Home Depot. And I found three illegal aliens and I speak Spanish, right? A lot of people don't know that. And I told them that we were going to be filming a, um, a documentary at a politician's home. And in California, right, they don't care. The illegal yeah. aliens, right, it's catch and release. Protected. So they're protected. They're not scared. And I had said, are you here illegally? <laughs> Excuse me. And they had said, yes, well, in Spanish, of course, you know, they were from si. Mexico and Guatemala. And so I paid them and they came with me and uh, we ended up uh, pitching a tent on Nancy Pelosi's lawn and hopping hopping her <laughs> fence. And I had them uh, hang photos of um, high profile cases of American citizens who had been murdered by illegal aliens wow. uh, on the tent with zip ties. And then we were playing football and drinking Mexican Cokes. And then we even tried to open her uh, her door at her house. And then eventually, right, I thought everybody was welcome there. She called the cops. Uh, this is online, too. You could watch it on my YouTube channel. And uh, she called the cops on us. And it was hilarious because it was the number one trending story on Twitter at the time, even though I was completely banned on Twitter. And you could hear the cop on the phone with her. And this whole thing is being live streamed, right? And ultimately, she just had to let us go because how much of a hypocrite would she be? But ultimately, we were uh, deported from her oh, house. No. And then I did it at Gavin Newsom's house, too, at the California governor's <laughs> mansion. Well, so, so I got arrested. He this, had me is arrested. Why, this is why they ban you from everything. But yeah. uh, thanks for hanging out. We'll talk about this in a lot more. Yeah. We got Phil Labonte. Hi, I'm Phil Labonte, lead singer of the heavy metal band All That Remains, anti-communist and counter-revolutionary. I'm Ian Crossland. What's up, everybody? Uh, and I am Kellen. I'm pressing the buttons tonight. Make sure you guys follow Coffee on X.com. It's a new Twitter, new X account for the best coffee brand. So go do that. Thanks, That's right. All right, let's jump into the first story. This is the news. So Donald Trump is not going to be debating the rest of the Republican candidates. And we got news that Trump will reportedly do a sit-down interview with Tucker Carlson on the day of the GOP debate on Fox News. Former President Trump will reportedly sit down with Tucker. The first debate of the Republican primary is scheduled to take place on Wednesday in Milwaukee. Who is that? Who's, who, who, turn that volume down. What are you doing? And I am turning it down. The New Times reports former yeah. President Donald J. Trump plans to upstage the first Republican primary debate on Wednesday by sitting for an online interview with former news host Tucker Carlson. 
I'm, I'm imagining they're going to publish it Tucker's normal time, which will absolutely compete with the GOP debate. <laughs> and then who's going to want to watch the GOP debate? Nobody. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I can't imagine that anyone watching the GOP debate over Donald Trump with Tucker. Carlson. Is it going to be Vivek and uh, Ron and and some other people? As like, who else is running? Uh, Tim Scott, Mike Pence. Mike Mike Pence is going to be there. Nikki Haley. Oh, I'll watch it for Vivek. I'm I, excited. Yeah, Nikki Gun Haley. But what I, I heard some a lot of comments people were saying online that Viv, Vivek is going to be like Tulsi Gabbard to Ron DeSantis as Kamala. Like <laughs> Vivek is going to. Vivek is too too good at this. It'll be, I mean, maybe, well, but also, it's not. It doesn't matter because it's not going to be as much fun because, like, no matter how bad DeSantis is, he's not as terrible as Kamala Harris. Like that Fair, was absolutely. that was an absolutely beautiful takedown of Kamala. Kamala but Harris, the, so. you know, and again, again, I it is not fair to compare Ron DeSantis to Kamala Harris because Kamala Harris is like at the bottom of the barrel, like <clears> like like um, Gollum from Lord yeah. of the Rings. <laughs> One percent, and you know, Ron's actually done a good job in Florida to, to varying degrees of, of argument. Yeah, I would disagree. Well, I, that's why I say at least there's, a, there's an argument. Kamala Harris, I don't think has support from literally anybody, not even Democrats. Do you think like there's you? a better governor than him? Yeah, look, I think that Florida has always had pretty good governors, right? It's a, it's pretty much a, a red state. It's not necessarily red in terms of our political makeup, but in terms of the governors that we've had over the last few years, yeah, we have had uh, Republican governors. But uh, really, Florida is the largest swing state in the nation, and I wouldn't necessarily say that it is a pure red state. Uh, what happened is that dur is during COVID, you had uh, a large influx of people from New York and New Jersey and California moving into Florida because they wanted right to escape the lockdowns because they thought that Florida was going to be more free and open than places like New York, New York and New Jersey. And while it's true that our restrictions and our lockdowns were not as draconian, at one point in time they were, and they did lock down parts of Florida, and there were lockdown orders and masking orders, and Ron DeSantis did advocate for the vaccine. And so then what happened is a lot of those people that moved, well, those are going to be conservatives for the most part, right, who moved to a state to escape leftist policies. Well, they registered to vote and then the Republican registration rate surpassed the Democrat registration rate. But but the actual makeup of Florida is not majority Republican. And so this is like one of those misconceptions that we were talking about this morning, because I really feel like they've been trying to position Ron DeSantis as a Manchurian candidate. And they're trying to push this narrative that he's the only successful governor in the country because they needed somebody that could challenge Donald Trump. But Laura's correct. Uh, we talked about this when picture this. You're driving on the open road, taking in the beautiful views this country offers. Then out of nowhere, you hear a noise and your car breaks down. While still frustrating, you feel protected because you have a plan through CarShield. CarShield has helped millions of drivers from having to pay back-breaking car repair costs. All you have to do is call before a breakdown. Plans can pay for expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. All for CarShield's low monthly rate that never goes up as long as you cover your car. With a plan through CarShield, you get protection on over 5,000 major parts and systems with just a visit to carshield.com slash Carlson. I'm talking big money items like your transmission, engine, electronics, and so much more. CarShield is here to keep you moving forward and make car breakdowns and the repairs that follow just a tiny bump in the road. Go to carshield.com slash Carlson. Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20%. carshield.com slash Carlson. That's carshield.com slash Carlson. I said it's one. The narrative they're putting out is that he's such a good governor. He converted all of these people to the right. Republican Party. But look at Miami-Dade. 
what it, it is true. I do believe that many people probably said, you know what, I'm going to vote for, you know, I used to be a Democrat now vote for Ron. But we know we had mass migration into Florida. It yeah. was the number one destination. That may be to Ron DeSantis's credit for whatever reason, but it's conservatives who moved in and were already going to vote conservative that gave him the massive 20 percent margin. I want to give him credit because that uh, he attracted conservatives to Florida. But I also want to make sure we give decent credit to the Democrats for being so awful. They drove <laughs> people out of their states into Florida, like the way Ron handled covid, uh, the lockdowns. It, it Eventually, he got to the point where he was like, we're done. We're not doing this anymore. And he spoke up for a lot of people in the United States that were on a downward spiral towards lockdown or yeah, shutdown. But the thing is, is that he spoke <clears throat> up about it. Right. He went on Fox News and we talked about this this morning. He would go on Fox News and talk about the free state of Florida. And one thing that I, I would say that Ron DeSantis's greatest accomplishment is that he has a wonderful PR team. Right. He has a great PR team that is not the people that work for him. I'm saying the PR team that's been able to manufacture this image, this facade, right? That he look, is somehow look. Trump without the baggage. I'm not saying that the people, right, but who that work was, for him are good. No, no, no. Hold they, on. You're correct. Early on, that's what they were right. doing. And then they went, they let themselves on fire. I'm being facetious, of course. I'm saying that I personally, right, as a Floridian and as somebody who's run for Congress in Florida twice as an America First Republican, you know, I see on the ground Ron DeSantis is not a good governor. And they've been able to use other people's experiences and the outlier experience of, right, the COVID lockdowns, which nobody really expected that to happen. And that's really what they use as, you know, their talking points to say, oh, he's such a great governor. Well, is he? Right now, we have the highest uh, homeowner homeowner insurance rates in the entire country. The average rate is uh, about $1,700 nationally. And in Florida, it's $6,000 or more. Okay. Wow. And af after this year, it's expected to jump another 40 to 60%. We have some of the highest utility bills in the entire country as well, which have increased over 20% in the last year. And that's all because Ron DeSantis accepted millions of dollars of campaign donations from the utility companies like FPL, that's Florida Power and Light, as well as the insurance companies. And he actually allowed for the uh, insurance industry to participate in writing the insurance bill that... Uh, that made it so that homeowners in Florida can't really sue anymore, right? They can't really sue for fraud. And so what you have now is this massive homeowner insurance crisis, and it's unaffordable. People can't even afford uh, their homeowner insurance rates, which, which is costing more than their mortgages. And you're going to see a market crash in Florida, similar to what we saw in 2008. And I believe, and I predict, and a lot of people are predicting this as well, that it's going to trigger a national uh, housing market crash. Uh, and mm. what's going to happen to all those people who moved to Florida thinking, oh, I'm going to escape communism. They're not even able to afford the homes that they're now living in. Is it because there's so much natural disaster uh, danger for like hurricanes and floods and stuff that the insurance yeah, is just it, out of control? But and yes, but at the same time, right? Rick Scott had this under control. The insurance crisis has has severely worsened under Ron DeSantis's uh, term as governor and insurance rates have quadrupled under Ron DeSantis's uh, leadership you, since you, he's been governor you, since they, 2019. They made it so the homeowners couldn't sue the insurance companies. Yeah, so they, you'll have to, you can pull up the bill. Uh, it might be helpful, Tim, if you pull this up. And uh, I actually wrote a Substack article about this What's and it was called? posted by um, President Trump. I don't know the exact number, but just type in, um, uh, special session Florida insurance bill. 
And there were these different measures because they had said, oh, they had argued that the reason why <laughs> the rates were so expensive is because there were frivolous lawsuits. And so what happened is the lobbyists, right? We have a state insurer of last resort in the state of Florida called Citizens Insurance. The CEO of that company was also the lobbyist who was uh, participating in right, writing this legislation and pushing it forward. And what they wanted is they they wanted it so that homeowners in Florida were not able to uh, sue if, you know, they discovered that their insurance carrier uh, was was engaging in fraudulent activity. And you could really make the argument that given the fact that these companies are insolvent and Governor DeSantis himself has recently admitted that Citizens Insurance, which is the insurer of last resort, right? That's where people try to go and get insurance if their insurance carrier drops them. And we're now seeing a lot of these insurance carriers leave the state of Florida. Well, if they're insolvent. How are they able to pay out claims? What's the point of people paying right their insurance premiums if these companies are not even going to be able to fulfill their claims? So you could make the argument that that's a fraudulent business practice. And we see this now in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian uh, from the hurricane uh, last year. If you go to Southwest Florida and you fly above, you'll see just a sea of blue tarps because so many people right have been abandoned. They talked about it on TV, right, because it was great press for Ron DeSantis getting reelected as governor. But those people have not had their insurance claims fulfilled or paid out. So there's going to be a homelessness crisis. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it sounds like they're trying to stop a downward spiral or an expiration of the insurance company. If they can't make the payments out, then the people want to sue them because they couldn't make the payments. That would make them make, they have to pay lawsuits that they can't afford. Is there like a way to appeal to the federal government to to bail these these Floridians out that don't have homes? I mean, they're Americans first, and then they're Floridians. Am I? Well, what about, the people, government what about the people in Hawaii? I mean, it's a similar situation. If, if, if a natural disaster wipes out a swath of yeah. homes. Yeah, look how t long the government waited. Look how See, long Biden waited to say anything about Hawaii. Now. What I was saying, if you look at that article, you see what I was talking about, the the, the state insurer of last resort, uh, citizens' property insurance, right? So, yeah. so exactly as I just said, right? Um, you could read it. I know it's a lot. It's very complex. I wrote a substack wow. about this and it was shared by President Trump uh, a couple months ago. But this is a this is a serious uh, issue. We just had farmers insurance leave the state of Florida, abandoning Floridians in the middle of hurricane season. I mean, what are these people going to do? AAA also decided that they were not going to renew homeowner policies in the state of Florida. I got to tell Whoa. you, people, it's a people crisis. have kept telling us to move to Texas or Florida. And the reason we went to West Virginia instead well, I tell people like weather is a huge issue. I lived in Miami for a little bit and that matters. It, it does. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like Florida. I do. Uh, there's a lot of really, really great things about it. A lot of people are moving down there. But yo, but that's this a problem. right here is a big issue. That's a huge problem. And what you're seeing on the ground in Florida, it's a major retirement hub, right? So where I ran for Congress, the villages, the largest retirement uh, you know, community in the entire country, the oldest district in the nation per capita, these are people on fixed incomes, okay? These are senior citizens on social security. And do you think that a senior citizen can afford, you know, a 5,000, 6,000, and in some instances, we've even seen $25,000 mm. increases in people's homeowner insurance rates. I know that sounds obscene, but the most egregious case I've seen thus far is an increase, and now it's gonna sound crazy, of $98,000 per year an additional $98,000 per year on insurance. That is what's happening as a result of this insurance crisis in the state of Florida. So while all these rich uh, you know, people from, from, from the East Coast are moving to Florida, all these seniors are basically having to move out of Florida because they can't afford it anymore. Let's jump to this uh, next story, which is in line. It's from Florida Politics. 
New national GOP 2024 poll shows Ron DeSantis in third place behind, obviously, Vivek Ramaswamy in the prediction market right now. Let me see if I can. Uh, I don't know. I got real. There we go. This is crazy. When I saw this, I'm, I, you know, we were talking about it before that even when they're tied, Vivek is below Ron DeSantis. And it could be because D becomes 4R in the in, you know, alphabetical order or whatever. But as of right now, this one blew my mind. Vivek Ramaswamy and the prediction market for predict it is in second place, three points above Ron DeSantis. Now, I'll make a few things clear in this. Prediction markets are not polls. It's the sentiment of people. Do they who do they think is going to win? They are basically betting money in real time like stocks on who they think is going to improve. Ron DeSantis going down means people think they will lose money by holding shares in his prediction mark in, in his prediction contract. And people are buying Vivek at 17 cents because they believe it will actually increase. These are not polls. We had, uh, you know, what Bill, Mitch- Bill Mitchell was discussing this uh, with us earlier on the Culture War podcast. And he said, you know, and we had Kyle Becker as well. Becker said that real clear politics is better. I do prefer aggregate polling instead of singular polls. Like they mentioned this one article that he's in second place. Yeah, well, the vague, I think, has like three polls showing him in second and DeSantis has like eight. But <laughs> these polls go back a week or two or two or three weeks or even a month. So when they do these aggregate polling, just consider the difference between prediction markets, which is real time short term changes and prediction markets, which is long term sentiment. There's there's reasons to weigh both differently. But for the time being, I will tell you one of the things I think that's helping Vivek right now, the reason why he may have jumped up, is that at 3.05 a.m. this morning, Elon Musk tweeted, he states his beliefs clearly. Re-exing, I guess, quoting Vivek Ramaswamy says, truth, God is real. There are two genders. Human flourishing requires fossil fuels. Reverse racism is racism. An open border is no border. Parents determine the education of their children. The nuclear family is the greatest form of governance known to, known to mankind. Capitalism lifts people up from poverty. There are three branches of the U.S. government, not four. Mm. The U.S. Constitution is the strongest guarantor of freedoms in history. Elon Musk is now promoting Vivek. I mean, they, they, they love this guy. I'm wondering, do we, do we see this continue? Does Vivek overtake Ron DeSantis? What do you think is going to happen in next week's debate? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, easy, I agree. easy enough. All right. I agree. agree. Right, I, moving on. I mean, I have a lot. I have a lot more to say, but I just talked a lot, so I'll let other people talk. <laughs> I, I I just don't feel like there's a lot of 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 groundswell uh, yeah. appreciation of Ron DeSantis. Like people can you know say what they want about his record. There are people that are going to cast it in in Florida. I mean, as a governor, there are people that are going to cast it as positive. There are people that are going to cast it as negative and stuff. But at the end of the day. Um, people tend to vote with, you know, with their gut more than with their, you know, with their, with, with their belief in policy or whatever. And I think that it is more likely that Vivek is going to, going to communicate with people better than Ron does. And that might be because of the fact that, you know, apparently Ron has, and this is what I, this is what I've heard, but Ron has a problem relating to people. He's not the, you know, he's not the guy you're going to want to have a beer with for like the old George W. Bush line was. You know? I, we, we've had Vivek on the show uh, IRL twice. I was here once. It was when we, when we were at, uh, we were actually using Charlie Kirk studio down in uh, Florida that, or in Arizona. Sorry. That was awesome. And then he came on here when Seamus was guest hosting, but I also got to talk to him on the culture war and he's easy guy to communicate with. He will answer the question you ask him, even if it's very, very difficult. He is quick-witted and smart. He he handles it very, very well. And he's really good with liberals because he could handle me. 
Right. Like, I, I, think, I changed I, the subject. I'm asking about Mars colonization. He was all about it. He's he's got an answer. He's he, so let's go back to the Aleppo moment. The the very terrible. Oh my god! I wanted to kill myself when that happened because <laughs> that, that, that was like my peak. Like libertarian Gary. guy. I'm Gary, like no. now's our time, man. Gary the Johnson. libertarians. Gary's yeah. got it. Here we go. And I'm watching Morning Joe and and like. And I'm just like, oh, my heart sank. And I'm like, I, so, I can't believe this For those is that happening. are not familiar, this is uh, Gary Johnson, right? Yes. Yeah. He's yes. doing an interview and he's asked, how would he deal with Aleppo? And he goes, and what is Aleppo? Yeah. yeah. Aleppo was a city in Syria that was just, just flattened. <laughs> During the Civil War, like at the height of the time. People, and it, they ruined were his, it ruined his campaign. Absolutely. Now, they were talking about rocket. They were talking about like the end days. And that was yes. like being spoken about on the news. And he had no yeah. clue. So let's go through this. I told people. Like my view is if Donald Trump was asked a question about insert random topic, if he's sitting down and someone and the interviewer said, I want to get your thoughts on Roberto the Rooster. Trump, having no idea what the hell he's talking about, would go, no, look, I know a lot of people want to talk about Roberto, but we got to focus on jobs in this country. We've got a border that's worth he would he would, would adapt pivot. and pivot. Yeah. Vivek, smart enough to do the same thing. Ron yeah. would do some facsimile of I don't see him being quick witted enough to deal with these difficult situations. <laughs> Another thing. Another thing that's going to happen that you're going to see is that, you know, Vivek Ramaswamy has written books about woke culture and he's going to, uh, well, Ron DeSantis is going to find out very quickly that uh, just talking about woke and talking about Disney and talking about COVID and pretending to be against uh, childhood transitions isn't going to be enough to get him through this debate. Uh, Ron DeSantis has an issue, as you just said, uh, communicating with people and relating to people. And he doesn't really have that likability factor. Uh, you see that he's very awkward in person. And this because he's this is because he's on the spectrum. Uh, Politico, you could pull up the article if you want, uh, actually wrote an article about how Ron DeSantis might be autistic. And mm. there are lawmakers in the Florida legislature who have uh, talked about how he has Asperger's. I know people who have worked with Ron DeSantis in the past, former staffers who have said that he has Asperger's. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with people who have Asperger's, but obviously one of the issues that comes with, you know, being on the spectrum or having some form of autism is that sometimes you lack social skills, right? That's one of the main characteristics about it. And so Ron DeSantis, right, you'll see him in these in these situations where people will come up to him and say, there was one that I'll never forget where he was, I believe, in Iowa, and somebody goes, oh, I just drove eight hours to come see you. And Ron DeSantis goes, oh, great. And he walks away. Like, he didn't even ask the guy, like, if you want a photo or... How you doing? I don't, I don't, I, and I don't, so Vivek Ramaswamy has written books about woke, and Ron's not going to be able to get away with just saying, "Oh, you know, like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna combat wokeism." Well, how is Ron going to combat wokeism when one of his top lobbyists is a guy named Slater Bayless, who's a lobbyist for Bud Light? How is he going to combat childhood transitioning when another one of his top lobbyists is a guy named Mark Lampkin, who represents a company called AbbVie, okay, a pharmaceutical company called yeah. AbbVie that is the manufacturer of a drug called Lupron, which is a yeah. drug used to <clears throat> chemically castrate children. You understand? Like, he needs to be called called out for this hypocrisy what you're what you're talking about with vivek about uh you know and and desantis about woke is is a great point because vivek really understands the philosophy behind mm -hmm. that's going on at the left now i don't know exactly how deep ron's understanding is i don't feel like ron really you know understands the the philosophies behind it whereas i do feel like Vivek, Vivek, Vivek understands exactly you know he understands he's he knows who Mark Hughes is you know he knows the leftists that are writing 
the philosophies and writing the academic papers that are having significant effects on the culture today. Mm -hmm. So he's aware of the the actual problems in the philosophy. A lot of of people are going to say, oh, you know, we're talking about Vivek and Ron. It's like, well, yes, these are the guys fighting behind Trump for the next position. So I think it's it's one. These last few years have not been easy on our economy. And with tax season finally arriving, there will be millions of hardworking people and businesses that could struggle even more due to the IRS working against them and pocketing profits for themselves. America First Tax Group can help put an end to your worries. Just one phone call to 800-431-5684 and you'll be in touch with America First Tax Group, a full-service tax company that'll fight the IRS's predatory tactics and put you on the path to financial freedom. Their experts can help you or your business with any tax-related problems you may have, from dealing with your back taxes to granting you access to tax relief and much more. Don't wait. Get in touch with America First Tax Group today by calling 800-431-5684. That's 800-431-5684. Or visit AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker. Again, 800-431-5684 or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker. I don't don't care to say if Ron's on the spectrum or whatever. That seems... (laughs) I don't know, whatever. It's tough to measure. No, but who cares, right? We can just say it simply. No, but Ron it, is it's bad not, with people. Yeah, we're not trying to, I'm not trying to be derogatory. I'm just saying that it would explain why he has such a hard time uh, communicating with people. And you'll see the Never Back Down pack and you'll see his campaign say, oh, well, we raised $150 million, which, you know, it's not really true, right? That's another lie. But all the money in the world, as I said, this money isn't going to be enough to buy Ron DeSantis the personality transplant that he so desperately needs. I saw the video of him they, serving they, eggs to people and he yeah. wasn't looking at them and they didn't even know who the hell he was in iowa and then you have bill mitchell on this morning being mm-hmm. like oh yeah uh, bob vanderplatz is a kingmaker in iowa and ron DeSantis <laughs> is gonna win i mean the guy's literally putting toothpicks and eggs as donald trump flies his plane over and cucks him in real time donald <laughs> donald trump there is no question is so good <laughs> super good with people you know you want a fist bump too. Just fist bump. air fist bump, you didn't see air fist bump. Yeah. yeah that's what i was laughing at fist bump. go trump so trump walks into a room and he commands this entertaining presence. Yeah. I went to the White House for the social media summit and 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 I didn't know what to expect. And Trump was basically doing stand up for an hour and we were all laughing. He was just nailing it. Ron is the opposite of that. Vivek, nowhere near as good as Trump's commanding presence. But at the very least, he can hold his own in a conversation with quick wit. I guess the question is, though, where does Vivek go? He's not going to beat Trump. He's not going to be president. What is he doing? Where does he end up? A cabinet position, perhaps. I thought so. I think he wants a cabinet position. I think it's obvious that Vivek is not going to be president, but I do appreciate the fact that he actually is running the campaign that Ron DeSantis, if he wanted to run for president, should have been running, yeah. right? Yep. Vivek Ramaswamy was the only other candidate for president that showed up to the rally I organized in front of the Miami courthouse when President Trump was arraigned. He had a press conference, and that was a really big act of courage because think about it. Those are all Trump supporters there. He knows. He didn't know if he was going to get booed or he was going to get chased away. But actually, the Trump supporters there embraced him and went up to him and thanked him because he passed out, uh, you know, a a, a a press statement saying that when if he were to get elected as president, the first thing he would do is pardon President Trump. And he has not really attacked President Trump much. Him. I haven't really seen mm-hmm. any direct attacks. And in fact, he's always the first one to come out with a statement whenever Trump has an indictment. Unlike Ron DeSantis, who pretends like he doesn't know what's going on and waits 24 hours to issue a statement and then won't I, even I, say Trump's name. I think you nailed it when you said Vivek is running the campaign. DeSantis should have run. 
because Vivek is setting setting himself up for what's after this election. Yeah, I think he's another another level. Vivek is like a brilliant genius mastermind business strategist he's uh, i think trump sees a lot of himself in vivek which is why he respects him so much from when he was a young entrepreneur and but, but vivek is like top level one point zero 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 one percent genius human so you know whether or not he, he's not as famous as trump so I, that's why i personally feel like trump's name recognition is going to get him 50 million votes. Well, uh, also, you know, Ron DeSantis is like a prostitute, you know? He's like a, <laughs> he's like a, he's like a cheap hooker. He's on his Jeez. knees. He's on his knees begging all these billionaire Wall Street hedge fund guys like Ken Griffin and other other billionaires like um, Doug Leone of Sequoia to donate to his campaign because he he's not a billionaire. He's not wealthy. And I'm not trying to sound like an elitist, but Donald Trump is a billionaire, okay? He self-financed a lot of his first campaign and people know Donald Trump long before they knew Donald Trump long before he was ever president. And Vivek, similar, similarly, he has a net worth, from my understanding, that's close to almost $1 billion. And so he doesn't need to get on his knees like a cheap hooker and beg these Wall Street donors and these GOP establishment donors who hate Donald Trump for money because he can self-finance. And you have to look at the fact that Ron DeSantis has a $250 million campaign operation and he has blown through most of his cash. He doesn't doesn't have enough money anymore to run a campaign all the way until the Iowa caucus on January 15th, which is why the Never Back Down Super PAC is having to foot the bill for so many things that he's doing. I, so that's another advantage that I think you're going to see Vivek is going to come from behind and he's going to continue to rise in the polls because eventually it's going to become a matter of resources. Yeah, Vivek it, has money and Ron DeSantis doesn't. And he's also seems to be very intelligent about how he spends his money, Vivek, because he does shows like with Jordan Peterson yesterday, 300,000 views at this point with one of the smartest guys in the world, Jordan yeah. Peterson. Like that cost Vivek nothing. He just sat in his in his living room and, and paid yeah. zero to get 300,000 eyeballs. Uh, he's on Twitter, 50,000 hits on each video that's going up. Elon Musk is retweeting it for another 200,000. He's, he's probably gained a million voters yesterday uh, just from all this media blitz in the last 48 I, hours. And that costs nothing. It's all social media. Where's Ron's social media presence? I always think about when Carrie Lake was running, she was saying she was like applying for a job, right? When she was right. running for office and the voters are the hiring managers, right? So I always, I, I always think about that. And it's like, if your two candidates for the job are DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy, it's almost... You know, hands down, Vivek is the better candidate for the job, for whatever you need him to do. I just think like day one, yeah. I'm not going to worry about Vivek when he's given the keys, I, you know? Well, I don't think that we should just say we're not going to worry about him because, look, I met Vivek. I think he's a nice guy. And I like the fact that he's coming out in support of President Trump. But, you know, I'm critical of everybody. And I think that we also need to be... Um, we also need to kind of look into Vivek's ties, right, with the pharmaceutical industry and his his connections with Big Pharma. Mm -hmm. And two things can be true at once. You can be an excellent communicator and you can be a nice guy and we can appreciate all the things that he's doing to support President Trump and speak out against a weaponized government. But also, I think that we need to, you know, at least be aware of and, and do our own research like I do, right, right. <laughs> to understand who these people are tied to, you know, how they made their money, what that's going to mean if they ever do get elected, what kind of position would he be offered if he wanted a cabinet position in the Trump administration? And those are questions that should be asked. What I like about Vivek, too, is that he's very um, open, it seems, when okay. people are confrontational with him. Right. I saw that confrontation with the LGBTQ activists. And whenever he's asked a question, he doesn't say, oh, go away or security, come take this person away. He's 
pretty head on, right? He jumps into right. the, yeah. to the to the to the to the Viper's Den. I want to show some archives here. This is Vivek Ramaswamy, February eleventh, twenty twenty one. Four thousand seven hundred and fifty seven followers. I just grabbed a random date from a couple years ago. Fast forward to December eighth, twenty twenty two. One hundred and fifty six thousand followers. Jump a few months ahead to the, to March twenty twenty three. Three hundred sixty four thousand followers. And in less than a year, he has jumped to 1 million followers. Wow. Mm -hmm. This dude is, like you said, he's running the campaign Ron should have been running. I don't think and Ron's him. capable of anything remotely close to this guy. This <laughs> no. guy's like a, a gem. He, the people like this don't appear all the time. And, and, and most importantly, Vivek, I think, is actually campaigning for after the election. Yeah. He's never, he can't say it. You know, so when, when he was here, I was like, I think you're not going to, I know you're not going to win. And I think you know you're not going to win, but you're you're doing this anyway because there's a lot more that comes with it. It changes the conversation. You get on the debate stage. You can bring some issues to the forefront. And he's like, look, look, I'm running to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's a smart guy. He knows what comes next is after this election. But, so if Trump, and this is an if, and I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, if he gets taken off a ballot somehow, a ballot in any state, that was kind of the topic from today's show a little bit. Yeah. And that would basically, if he can't get 270, he can't win. Who do you think Vivek stands a chance against the Democratic well, hold Party? On, hold on. If they take Trump off the ballot, there twenty twenty four is gonna be wild. Let let's talk about what happens in twenty twenty four. If Trump is removed from any state, they'll try to make that state award its electors to the Democrat. Maybe they'll try and make I doubt this, but award it to someone, I don't know, libertarian or something. As like, well, we're not gonna give it to the Democrat because we're we're being fair. Mm -hmm. But you need to get 270. If you don't, it goes to the House of Representatives. They cannot let that happen. I have no idea what's going to happen. The speculation is they'll take na Trump's name off the ballot in Michigan or Pennsylvania or Georgia. I think Georgia is the key target. Yeah, they're trying to the use the 14th Amendment to exactly. get him on, get him on uh, charges of, well, sedition, of course, so that they can use the 14th Amendment to try to remove him from certain states. That's, that's why they want this to be a very, very fast trial, because they, yeah. they want to knock Trump out before the primaries conclude. That's why I was saying when Trump came out and said everybody should drop out of the race, he's got a point. If they all dropped out right now, the Democrats hands are tied. If they remove his name from the ballot pre-primary, they say, look, we didn't get rid of the Republicans. You have a choice. You just can't vote for the for the criminal. If everyone drops out and right now Trump is confirmed the nominee, the removal of Donald Trump would be them saying the Republican Party has been excised from the vote. And then that's a shock to the system. I'm not saying I know what happens after that. But frogs boiling in a pot is a bad scenario. People being shocked to the point of waking up is preferable. The only way they can pull this off if is if there was if the primaries are not concluded and there was someone else that if Trump were to be removed, people would would, would vote for. What do you think about like a Vivek RFK ticket? No, he don't like RFK. <laughs> I'm, I'm like. Look, man, RFK is better than a lot of the op options. Yes. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like my, my I mean, my, I, I think a, a, tr a Trump Ramaswamy ticket would be like my the best. And I've talked to you about this. Where I don't I'm not into Trump. I mean, I don't dislike I don't I got issues with them. You know, calling Rosie a fat pig. I feel like he alienated <laughs> half the world. And like, I need a uniter. I need someone that's going to like help us move forward. I think unity is cliche. You know, I think that uh, there's no really, there's really no such thing as unity. And I think it's like a very kumbaya concept. And I don't think that we really need to be focused on unity in this country. Lord we are, right. we are, we are in a political revolution right now. Mm -hmm. And one, the party that's in control is literally trying to put conservatives and Trump supporters in jail so that they can 
can die in prison simply because of the person they support or the fact that they believe that the election was stolen. There's no room to play nice. There's no more there's no more talk about civility, no more talk about unity. We're in a war to save our country. And this is the problem, right? This is why we're in the mess today is because so many people, and this is no disrespect to you, but so many people in this country are focused on civility and decorum and you know, let's go well, along to well, get along. On. So many I'm sick of it. So many people on the right are like that. Yeah, that's what I'm the saying. Leftists the leftists are burning the down right, cities. Well, the the right. The right is like that, and that's why the Republicans lose. The country is called the United States. It's united. We yeah. have unity, and that's the reason we function as 50 states. Without it, it'd be a civil war. So we need to I know, unify. But we're in, but the, let's, ci let's, we're in the civil war right now. We don't have unity. But, I think and, it's an illusion. And, and, and let me address that I from don't the think left. Anyone can win on that platform. Let me address that from the left. One of the issues with the Declaration of Independence was that they were, I think it was what, uh, South Carolina and Georgia would not sign on unless they removed uh, Thomas Jefferson's criticisms of, of slavery. Yep. So unity doesn't always mean the best things. Yeah. I can understand the argument among the founding fathers. They were like, ah, okay, well, we have no choice. I do believe that Quebec was, was it was a colony of, of the crown and they did not want to join up. So they were like, we desperately need other colonies to agree with us. Thus, Let's just ignore the slavery thing for now. And I'm kind of like, wow, that sucked. That sucked. But I get the argument. You know, I'm not going to sit here and criticize the Founding Fathers for winning the Revolutionary War. Just to consider, sometimes this idea of unity means unifying with people who are very, very bad and doing oh, very bad Hitler things. Hitler tried to unify Europe. I mean, it was not the best form of unification. <laughs> so right so right now, the challenge we I see in this no, country he, is... He didn't try to... Extermination oh, sure is not unification. Seizing, no, 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 seizing no, no, Paris on. was a step forward no, 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 towards no, no, unification. No, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. You, you could make the argument that Hitler was doing horrifying, <laughs> awful things. He was conquering it to you, unify you, it. Like the, the, the simple academic term is unification of Europe is what people refer to. And no one's ever saying like that. That's not an argument to it's, make. That it's, I have not. It's in agreement with Tim. Unification not, is not always good. I was but, not but, aware that they called it unification. Of, I did not. I was not aware that the extermination of Jews and gypsies and but what he was unification. But, right, but that, fair enough. What Hitler was doing, invading other countries and stealing territory, trying to invade Russia, was conquer and, and dominate yeah. under one umbrella to control everything. And yes, he was a psychotic eugenicist, anti-Semite, racist, and all of those awful things. But in, in a simple sense, you, uh, I think they call it European unification or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I think it's fair to say that like <laughs> conquering, a, like, but, but outside of that, my point is this. Right now in the United States, we have states that allow for the kidnapping of children to be castrated and they are legally protected. You have states like California that are sanctuary states yeah. that are completely violating the Constitution. So I, I'm sorry to say, as much as I can understand there is power in unity, right now what you have is not unity. You have someone pinning you to the ground and beating you in the face. But I'm yeah. a bit of a utilitarian. If if California were excised, the communist Chinese party would land destroyers. No, no, in we the, don't. We and don't. Then, and we don't want to remove West. California. Yeah. We want to conquer it. Then they'd they'd appeal to the Chinese for help for no, destroyer no, for no, for no, battleships, no. submarines, nuclear submarines. Like you don't. I'm, I'm if being, we split up, we lose. And I don't think we should split up. I think the federal government needs to be purged of the corruption. Within, oh, I agree. Within, and, and Vivek talks fervently about it. Absolutely. But does Donald, Trump, he, he mentions that he's going to, but he never lays out a plan. I'll, I've I'll, never seen a plan. Look, I will combine two statements from the day. Bill Mitchell saying that Trump is the big guy and DeSantis is the, is the guy who executes the vision. Well, I think DeSantis has, that ship has sailed. But Vivek is running the campaign. DeSantis should have run. So let Trump be the big guy who oversees the thing. 
and then let Vivek be yeah. the 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 surgeon who goes in and executes. Yeah. And Ron properly. DeSantis, Ron DeSantis doesn't execute visions. The only things he's the only thing <laughs> that Ron DeSantis has executed is his campaign for president. Okay, Ooh. that should be a T-shirt. <laughs> Let's I'm sorry, man. Yeah, Let's he's too honest. slow. He's just not adaptable. He's not, I got no, it. he's not. And also, it's a facade. He's a Manchurian candidate. And I'm just so sick and tired as a Floridian, as somebody who's actually, you know, impacted by uh, these these negative policies as a result of him allowing for Florida to literally be invaded. I'm, I mean, he has allowed our state to be invaded at the expense of people who are already living there. And he doesn't care. I'm he gonna, doesn't care. I'm going to own this one. I feel personally slighted to the point where I'm sick of the DeSantis campaign. Yeah, I'm sick of these people. When when I brought this up to Bill Mitchell, and he was a very nice guy after we wrapped the show, we were all hanging out, having sushi. We played poker. He got a full house. It was good fun. Even, you know, Laura and him got along and were cordial and everything was great. But in this debate, I said, I'm wondering why it is that I'm not I'm not this crazy diehard Trumper. I'm not tweeting insults at people. I'm not attacking anybody. But when I have even the lightest criticism of, of Ron DeSantis, that's not even overt criticism, his actual campaign staff and his and, and the staff of his uh, his governor's office insult me and attack me. And the immediate response was, oh, yeah, but, you know, Alex Brusowitz did this and Laura Loomer did this. And I'm like, OK, stop. I'm not them. I don't care. I'm asking you why mm-hmm. they why it is that there's people like me or Mike Cernovich and several others who have said that the DeSantis surrogates and campaign staff have been vicious towards people who should be allies. He didn't have an answer. And he said, oh, please, I can't believe I'm hearing this, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, fine. There's no answer. And this is all that we deserve for the people that were for a long time, like a year ago, me praising DeSantis. And now I'm just being attacked relentlessly. I'm sorry. I will own it. I am personally insulted, personally (laughs) slighted. And I am just sick of their campaign and the campaign staff. Yeah. So you know what? Screw it. On, I mean, DeSantis is done. He's number. He he already yep. fell to number three in the I predicted. Know. That's because he's going to be number three at the end. Vivek's on an upward trend. Yep. So it is Trump and Vivek is who we should be talking about. And but, Vivek is smart enough to know he's not going to he's not going to defeat Goliath here. Well, but this is what's so bad about Ron DeSantis. You know, you just said it. Everybody knows that he's done. But the sinister aspect of the Ron DeSantis campaign is that he knows that he has no chance. OK, I call it the Ron disaster campaign because it's absolutely disastrous. OK, I call him Ron Decon because he's an absolute con man. OK, you just put his I mean, the, the fact that he has D.E. as his initials. Right. Uh, you could just, you know, call him whatever you want. But uh, the fact is, is that Ron DeSantis is only existing in this presidential race uh, for the sake of soaking up value valuable GOP donor resources that could otherwise be used for election integrity efforts or for litigation to combat a weaponized government. And when you look at all these candidates, when you combine all the resources collectively at the end of the stupid primary, when everybody should just drop the hell out and endorse Donald Trump and rally behind him for the sake of our country and getting reputation, uh, and getting revenge rather. And, um, and uh, retribution against these goddamn communists, okay? <laughs> it, it, it's yes. going to be, me, me, be yes. about $1 billion to $1.5 billion. Yeah. And that's a lot of money. That's a lot I'm of really, money. I'm looking forward to it because our ad revenue is going to skyrocket. But they're taking, they're taking that money and it's essentially going to guarantee Biden another four years if they don't drop out and get behind Donald Trump. That's All what right. this is about. They know they can't win. Let me ask you a question, a hypothetical. I was thinking this in my head. I don't I don't know any realistic scenario where Trump is forcefully removed that makes someone feel good about voting for someone else. Like if you're a Trump supporter and they lock Trump up, you're like, no way I'm behind Trump. So there's got to be some kind of scenario for me to ask this question. 
So I'll go with an absurd scenario for the sake of argument. Let's say that there is um, a super, you know, let's let's just say uh, an evil globalist plants the the Genesis device in the base of New York City. And the only one who can stop it is Trump. And Trump runs in and they're like, no, Trump, if you go in there, you'll be transported to another dimension and you'll be completely wiped from existence. And he's like, it's the only thing that I can do to save all the people of the world. And then he disrupts the device and he's gone. Trump just sacrificed it. He's gone. There's no more Trump. He's not forced out. There's no possible scenario to vote for him. Would you vote for Vivek Ramaswamy? The only person that I'm voting for is President Donald Trump. But that's why I asked it in the most absurd way possible. Trump sacrifices himself She's to save not. humanity, and now he's gone forever. And the only the humanity only is going to crumble because the only way that we're going to she's not entertaining your games, pool. She's not putting up like, with your games. You see how I, I carefully crafted I the question. I don't like hypotheticals. You know, I'm not really she's into all you. this like hopium copium bullshit that the Republican Party is trying to force feed voters. Right. I'm a realist. Some people say that I'm negative. Right. Uh, some people say that I talk to I speak too badly about Republicans. Well, guess what? I mean, I like to call myself an equal opportunity hater. OK, because I hate the Republican Party and I hate yeah. the Democrat Party. I hate all political parties, actually. And that's why I like Donald Trump, right? Because he's a disruptor. He's the sledgehammer to the uniparty that has awakened and has provided a voice to the forgotten man and forgotten woman of this country who have been completely screwed over by both political parties. And that is the reason why, okay, Donald Trump is being attacked by the left and the right. The, the let's, people let's, that are doing the most damage right now to Donald Trump aren't these prosecutors and these these radical these radical judges. It's the Republicans in office, elected Republicans that are staying silent. I mean, where's Kevin McCarthy, right? Our Congress is on vacation right now when they should actually be in Washington, D.C., fighting against the weaponized government and taking a stand because the heist of the 2024 election is taking place before our eyes right now. And Republicans are, I'd like to say, asleep at the wheel, but they're participating. Let's in. More shift, than just the election. Let's shift. Let, I, I want to shift. I do want to talk about Trump's sledgehammer strategy, because I, I feel like if we're all on a, a ship together, the United States and, and the commander's like, I'm going to destroy this corruption in our system and just start breaking the ship apart. We all drown and die. Like, but that's what's, not, what is what vision does he offer other me, than I'm going to end all yeah, the bad let me, stuff? Like, let me tell me what you want to create. So you say we're on a ship and he's taking a sledgehammer to it. Let me let me give you a better analogy. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. We're on a ship and there's a bunch of little uh, golems running around, ripping the cables out of the wall. And he's like, I'm going to put an end to this. And he gets a little net and starts catching all the little goblins in a net. And, and, and then he's chucking them into a safe little boat where they'll be. That's what he told to me he island. was going to do in 2016. He said he was going to get rid of the swamp and he didn't. And, and now he's he tried like, negotiating with the little goblins. And now he's and... going to destroy it. I'm well, sorry. On. I need okay. a creationist. Right. Oh, let me try again. In 2016, Trump said, we're going to get all the little gremlins off the boat and stop them from pulling out all the little golems. And then... But before we do, let me bring some more golems No, and then he said, maybe the most effective way to deal with them is to fire some of them, bring some of them in, and convince them to stop doing this. And then they all jumped on his back and started slashing at him. He's like, ah, it's not working. I've... Then they kicked him off and he's like, okay, I got to come back and I just got to catch all these little little golems and throw them out of here. 
Sometimes you need to have ultimate destruction in order to uh, have a rebirth of something great, right? From what do they say? It's from the from the ashes, the phoenix will rise. Okay. Sometimes you need to have ultimate destruction and take a sledgehammer and burn a system to the ground if you want to create something better that's more hopeful that isn't completely corrupted by this uniparty system. And so that's what I'm talking about, right? About burning the system down and taking a sledgehammer to it. There's, I think that it's so corrupt, okay, and it's been so taken over, and it's been, it's been so infiltrated by this cancerous rot, okay, that that it just needs to be completely taken down and destroyed and rebuilt from but the that's ground. Like, wait, 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 that's wait, like wait, nuclear wait, wait. war talk. No, 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 ultimate no, destruction no, is no, not no, no. the words. I got a better one for you, Ian. Uh, have you ever seen when they take a, a dirty coin and they dip it in what do they do? It's like a Coca-Cola. No, an electrolysis, oh, like yeah. water with electrical current. And then you watch all the grime just evaporate from it, and there is a beautiful, shiny silver coin beneath it. That's how I view what Trump, like what I hope Trump can accomplish, is that there is this great country with a brilliant founding structure and documents. I'm watching this show. It's called The Uncanny Counter on Netflix. It is, uh, it's a Korean show. And the interesting thing is, there's a scene where, what caught my attention was when a detective is questioning a guy, they say, don't plead the fifth. That's what the translation said. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. South Korea has the Fifth Amendment or something akin to it. And so I looked up the, uh, uh, I looked up the, the, like their version of the constitution. And a lot of what South Korea has is very similar to what we have in the United States. And it made me think, I'm like, man, we do have a really, really great system that I'm glad to see other countries flourish in protecting civil rights and human rights, this, this, this vision. I'm not a big fan of the nation building BS that's come out of it, but it is cool to see that this this culture persisted. This system that was built is now covered in crap and tarnish, and it's got little leeches and barnacles stuck to it. And we just got to take that beautiful silver coin that's covered in grime, dip it in that little uh, electrolysis water and let all the stuff rip from it and then pull up that shiny coin once again. That is one, but it's more complex. There's lots of pieces and parts that have been added onto the I'm machine that are unnecessary. And if you take one of them out, the entire machine will break or, oh, or oh, some oh, of them oh, out. Hold on. That, that like, I get what you're saying about, because what I, what I'm hearing is you're, you're, you're saying we should be cautious about any kind of. We have, we have a break. process to how to change the government. I don't want to see. This is the process. Yeah, no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got amendments and repealments of the Constitution. Donald Trump we don't have a tried. Don't Donald have a Trump tried to use a redress of grievances, the legal process in the Constitution, having lawyers go out and ask, what is the legal process by which we, we deal with this? You had, uh, who, who was it? Um, I for, I'm forgetting his name. One of the guys who was indicted went to the alternate slate of electors and then explained to the press don't worry, in the event a lawsuit prevails, we will have this group here to sign the documents. And they called it a conspiracy. One of the quote unquote acts of conspiracy is that Donald Trump reached out to Brian Kemp and said, look, we're, we, we want to, uh, I forgot exactly what he said, something about uh, uh, finding the fraud through whatever legal means. And they said that was an illegal conspiracy. Yeah. So the point is, if there is a process by which to do this, Donald Trump was working that process. Okay, sorry, Phil. So I interrupted you, Phil. Yeah, but yeah, thank you. Uh, no, it's fine. I, it's just that I, I, I lost what I was saying. Sorry. Okay. Okay. But this is my point. 
I, I'm just concerned about the destruction as a tactic. Is that? Oh yeah, no, I'm not. I want more. <laughs> more destruction of the United States. I've said it before, I mean, and I'll say it I'm again. I'm a patriotic I guy. When people say they want to destroy the United States, no, 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 no. Stop, Ian. The system has been destroyed. So this is what we're saying: is that you just said that there's a there's a system, right? There's a there's a political process. That process really doesn't exist anymore because as we've seen, the Uniparty has hijacked it and they don't respect the process. Yeah, they don't respect the process. They stole our election in 2020. The point they that stole I've made... our election. They interfered in our election. They colluded as state actors, right? These big tech social media companies colluded with federal agencies and agents within the federal government and within uh, uh, within the within the Biden campaign to 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 illegally interfere in our elections and completely bastardize and assault that process. So I understand where you're coming from, but that's just that's just your vision of the process. Yeah. It doesn't exist anymore. And it's it, been destroyed it, and it's been corrupted. In, in 1913, and, yeah, it was co-opted by the international it's, banking it's, cartel. It's it's been it's it's been hijacked. And the only way that we're going to get any type of process back is if we burn the system to the no, ground. And, and but what's listen, Ian, the, the point that I'm making that is not burning the system to the ground. I want to. I've talked about this multiple times on 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 the podcast here. I want to take apart the bureaucracy, and that is going to mean taking apart the government because the government is made of multiple different bureaucracies. So I do want to take apart the government. I want to get rid of HUD. I want to get rid of the DOT. I want to get rid of a lot of cabinet level bureaucracies. That means firing a lot of people, putting people out of work. Like, and, and I'm, I'm fully aware of what that means. Like there are too many, and I've, I feel like I'm saying this the second time in a row, but like, there are too many people that talk about, I want to make cuts or I want to, you know, reform or whatever. And it never happens. And every year the budget gets bigger and let's, every year we go further into debt. Every year they print more money. I want cuts. Let's just deep, 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 deep cuts. Let's just cross our fingers for Trump Ramaswamy 2024. I mean, it'd be great. Because Ramaswamy can go out and do the advocacy work in areas that Trump may be weak on. I've heard from a lot of people, and this is earlier, this is not today, but several months ago, run-of-the-mill regular old people when I'm out hanging out in, uh, you know, D.C. or whatever, liberal people saying they, they don't like Trump, but man, they cannot vote for Joe Biden. And then I say, what if the VP is DeSantis? And they're like, well, he could actually, you know, be a stabilizing force. Okay, that might work. I don't know if people feel that way today. I actually think Ramaswamy is the right choice for VP if Ramaswamy would, would be willing to do it because he's clearly shown that he's very, very good at, at communicating with people from this professional perspective, like standpoint, where Trump is this like loud, boisterous entertainment style character. I think Ramaswamy could pick up and fill up. Ramaswamy likes the camera too. I mean, let's no, not. No, no, no. I'm not saying he doesn't. <laughs> Donald Trump. I'm saying Donald Trump has a loud presence, but you know, Ramaswamy is not exactly a wallflower. I'm you not know, saying he, he's a wallflower. He loves the, he loves I'm the saying Ramaswamy's persona is the suit wearing. Well, let me answer that question for yeah. you. And Trump is the listen here, tough guy. I'm going to tell you. And so Trump has that loud, you know, powerful presence. And for the people that don't like that, Ramaswamy comes in in the suit with the tie and says, don't worry, I'll take care of this. Let me yeah. translate. I'm the kind of guy, man, where if, I, if something burns me, I'm not going to touch it again. And Trump failed in 2016. That that whole four terms of drain the swamp and the COVID lockdown that he set in motion with giving Fauci all that power. Like, I don't want to touch that again. If if I don't, I don't, I don't see an alternative candidate. Vivek Ramaswamy. Oh, for sure, for sure. And, you know, I, I would love to see him win. I just don't think that is possible 
I don't know. I don't know. I, I like it's, it's a, a year left. You know, I mean, who knows what can happen? Or it's over a year still. A year I and change. I kind of still now. just want Trump to complete his arc. <laughs> Personally, I don't care. I just want whoever's gonna whoever is gonna go in and and injure the federal government. Whoever's gonna go in there and cut. Ramaswamy was saying that he's gonna cut seventy five percent, or he intends to cut seventy five percent of the federal government by the end of his first term. That sounds absolutely dreamy okay that sounds like really 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 compelling stuff to me so again whoever's gonna cut the most government whoever's going to make the government the smallest out of all of them that's who i'm going for. let's let's that's do it i want to do a very hard segue because we, we we talked a lot about politics and let's just get in some cultural issues ladies and gentlemen i have bad news hmm. from tmz <laughs> kid rock and joyza bud light oh pussy <laughs> so apparently uh kid rock was spotted at uh, an event at the sky deck in nashville thursday night at colt ford's show drinking bud light so a lot of people are saying it's probably the only beer they had or whatever but uh i don't know i guess a lot uh, i guess the point of the story is this is a guy who was who opened fire on bud light said f you who now I guess doesn't care all that much and is back on you know drinking it. I mean, look, I Was haven't had a, I haven't had a, a drink in many, 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 many years now, like it's like five, six years or whatever. So I'm not the one to talk smack. But like, it, after all of the stuff, like right, you make you go out of the way to make a video and stuff. You'd think that he'd have the wits about him to to drink whiskey that night. It's not like the, it's not like Bud Light's the only option. I mean, maybe it was okay, fine, but like, dude, can you you could go a day without drinking to not get this uh, I lo- this photo? I just think that the, I, there's I too much attention story. put on this stuff. You know, like I don't drink, so I don't really care either way. You know, because I'm not drinking beer regardless. But but people get so worked up about this, and I don't know. I just find these stories to be a little silly at you times because. Because, okay, yeah, Dylan Mulvaney was put on a Bud Light Bud Light can. And, yeah, it's not exactly tasteful that Bud Light had an entire marketing campaign that was trying to force transgenderism on the public. But the obsessiveness, right, of, of like, the right on this issue, it's just, I, I just feel like these are distractions and there's a no. lot more important issues in, this, in our country. This, I, I understand you want to, you, you can boycott them, but the media, right, they'll fixate on it. They'll talk about it, but they're not talking about other things that matter. There's so many stories that go unreported every single day because especially the right, they, they have this obsessive nature and this obsessive quality and latching onto things. And, and it's like, okay, we get it. Okay. It, it's kind of, it's kind of tired now. We can move on to other things that are more important. We can move on to, sorry, we can move on to other things that are also more important. I think this is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Law, uh, as I've mentioned now, you know, 50 billion times ad nauseum to our audience, laws are only enforced if a culture supports it. So the reason why police refuse to enforce the law against these adult sex shows that they're inviting children to is because television, Walmart, Amazon, and all their libraries and, and and all the small businesses are putting up the flag saying, this is what we want. So the cops are like, I know it's illegal, but we're not going to get involved because we'll be shunned and ostracized. I understand where you're coming from, but there's just there's just so much bullshit that's fed to people around these topics. For example, right? And this is what I'm talking about with them wasting everybody's time. Everybody gets in a in a you know in a hissy fit about Bud Light and they say, Okay, we're gonna we're gonna boycott. And then it's like all these viral videos of 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 popular politicians coming out with videos like Ron DeSantis, for example, right? He sat down with Benny Johnson, who had his camera crew come with Ron DeSantis and was like, Oh, so governor, what's your favorite beer? Oh, I really like a Guinness. I, I really like Guinness and I'm not going to drink Bud Light anymore. Well, 
yeah, okay, I think that Bud Light's in the wrong for, for pushing transgenderism onto the public. Well, guess what? Guinness also, okay, had an entire marketing campaign where they had a had a TV commercial marketing Guinness beer, um, and it was uh, a teenager at a Christmas celebration. You can even pull up the commercial, too, so people can see it. Type in Guinness uh, transgender commercial, and it's about a oh, grandfather right. who sees, right, I think it's... I, I remember this one. I think it's his grandson. And I guess the the, the, the grandfather the wears. grandfather was like a secret cross-dresser oh, no, and that, then realized. Is realized, that J and B whiskey? Yeah. Whatever it is. Not no, Guinness. but it was no, but it was a Guinness. There was a Guinness. There J was a, there whiskey was a, commercial? No, but it there it was it was for Guinness. If you type it in, Guinness it actually had this issue as well. And so Ron DeSantis then goes on this whole tirade with Benny Johnson and he says, Okay, well, I'm never gonna drink a Bud Light ever again. And then two weeks later, what does he do? He has a fundraiser in Washington, DC, and one of the co uh, co sponsors of this fundraiser is a guy named Slater Bayless, it's, who it's, is one of the lobbyists for Bud Light. So, so just a clarification. The J&B Whiskey is, I guess it's the parent company for Guinness. Mm. Yeah. Right, right. So, so. And so uh, he's saying. So, are, so, it's just, so roast, it's just roast a on Guinness. Of, rag, on, rag on Guinness. So my point. No, but it goes beer. to show you they're just not that educated. If you're going to do, do a boycott on something and you're going to take such a hard line stance and you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to be against Bud Light because they're pushing transgenderism. Actually, you know, like have the intellectual motivation to go investigate whether these other companies are pushing this it's embarrassing yeah. and it just shows you know how it we deserve better as voters and as the american people we deserve better than politicians that are going to try to win our votes by saying that they're going to boycott bud light because they're against transgenderism and then they're going to have a closed door slimy dc fundraiser with the lobbyists of the manufacturer of the child castration drugs and the manufacturers of all these you know so all these Bud Light, for example. I see the. I hear the left making that same point, right? It's like, yeah. don't you know all these other brands do Pride stuff, and you guys, you silly conservatives, are just focused on Bud Light. I don't like that argument. It's like the the beast is too big to stop, so you might as well just give up now. Right? Give in. Yeah, like you got to. We can, own and, and culture. No, I'm not, I'm not saying to give in. I'm saying do. that they need to be principled. And then they say, and then they waste all this time focusing on these. What's the point of people sitting down with Ron DeSantis and letting him bloviate about how he's against Bud Light when they're just going to let him have a pass because he's having these fundraisers and they're they're not even they're well, not even morally consistent. But I don't that's care my, about Ron DeSantis on this issue. My, my, my point that's is that's my issue with pol it. politics is downstream from culture. If and the left has known this for years. That's why they heavily invest in Hollywood and music. It's why they ban any like you, you got this big song right now, Rich Men North of Richmond. And the reason it's big is because regular people have the ability to share a song that resonates with them. We, what, do we, what do we get from corporate mainstream media? This weird, woke garbage nonsense. You get Kim Petras and you get Sam Smith doing Satanism on stage. Then you get a guy in Appalachia singing about how, how, how they're screwing over the little guy and regular people can push that and make it go viral. Culture is what drives politi politics. If you make something culturally unacceptable, it just can't happen. And the I, I understand that. I understand that. I understand the point that you're trying to make. But what I'm saying is that in order, it's not exactly culturally unacceptable because they're still engaging in it behind closed doors. Yeah, they right? lost four hundred so million dollars. actually, you actually have to, you actually have to stick to it. And we just have lazy politicians and, and lazy people in our society that say, "Oh well, you know, I'm just gonna have a closed door fundraiser. I'm gonna have a Bud Light." They don't even stick with it, and then we end up having egg on our face, and it's just, it's embarrassing. Well, that, that, that's why you, so. we, that's why we call out Kid Rock for hypocrisy. Some people are saying it's a Pepsi can. Now I checked that Pepsi cans have vertical barcodes. I looked that, that that's a that looks like a Bud Light can. I'm going to say 
I can't really tell what that can is. Fine. Fair point. Uh, but Bud Light has lost $400 million. They've lost around 30. Anheuser, and, uh, Anheuser uh, uh, AB InBev has lost around 30%. I think their stock it took a major hit. AB InBev was forced to sell off like eight different craft beers. They have been hit so hard by this. It is it is to the point now where you've got corporations trying to with to pull back from all this crazy leftist garbage. Target, for instance, for the first time in six years, missed their, their, their quarterly projections and lost money. You've got uh, uh, Disney now facing a major backlash. Netflix, Disney and a bunch of these these streaming channels lost subscribers. And it's because they keep trying to push this insane woke leftism. Yeah, and I, I understand. I, I support I support the boycotts, but I think that at the end of the day, right, there's too many people who are given a free pass, right? Especially politicians who like to go on Fox News and have their 30 sec second talking points about these issues. And it's just something. And, and, and fair point. I mean, these are some these, of the these, loudest people about it, but then they're the, doing it themselves. The so. politicians are grifters who are going to be like, what's popular? And just try and pretend that they're going to be on board with it. Yep. Like DeSantis supporting Guinness after the fact, even though Guinness was well, getting criticized Bud Light for the same also, thing. And I'm here to talk about Ron DeSantis, right? Which is why I brought up Ron DeSantis but, and Bud Light. But yeah, you know, I wanted to make people aware of that. That's because. how you're going to capture Gen Z too, is talking about this cultural stuff, right? I mean, that's what the kids care about. They don't care about the nitty gritty and how deep these issues go they like the funny picture of kid rock holding a bud light after he just posted a video a few months earlier yeah, I mean, oh yeah because no, we gotta that, play I the think game young people actually care about issues you know like there's a lot of young people that would really like to be able to have families and own a home and they're finding it unaffordable right now to own a home in america and the only candidate that is actually talking about uh generation z and millennials being able to uh have affordable homes and be able to have affordable housing is donald trump he's the only one He's the only one who's actually talking about it and talking about his plan for, what does he call it? Freedom cities, I believe, right? Isn't that what he calls it, Tim? His freedom cities so that young people in America can also experience the American dream. I don't I don't, I don't, don't like this idea that, oh, it's just young people consumed with TikTok and culture. There's a lot of young people that care about the economy, that care about the fact that by 2045, do you know that Generation Z is the last generation in this country that's going to be majority white? We're not going to have a majority white America anymore. So we and I, what I'm saying is that we are, you know, we are being. We, what is what is what is the race that the people have to do with? Well, what I'm talking about is that we're we're being replaced. Right. So people have talked about replacement replacement theory and they've talked about the fact that we we've, we've been invaded. We've had uh, an immigration invasion into our country that is changing our culture. So you're saying that politics is downstream from culture, but nobody seems to care about the fact that immigration is fundamentally transforming uh, the traditional culture of our so, country. Right, and so, there's so, young people that care about that. Not right, all young people. Are so, so, people so that are coming to the U.S. that are right, wicked the the we've, racial lost component, our, we've lost our culture. Right. So the racial component I don't see as mattering. No, but I'm I'm just using that statistic because that that was a news report that came out the other day. There was a there was a study out that said that Generation Z is going to be the last generation in which America, if you do the, if you look at the census right right now, we're currently a majority white country. Yeah. That, because because of the mass migration and all of the immigration into our country. And so if you're making the argument that politics is downstream from culture, well, what's culture if we're not even going to have well, race right, and culture our are own, the same thing? Well, so I, I, I don't say, I don't care I about say, that statistic. 
Well, I, I, I think I, that I, I think that I think that there's I just know it, that there's it, a lot of people in Generation Z that are focused on topics like immigration it, and the fact that we're right, being right. invaded. It is important. Rapid, uncontrolled immigration can distort a country's culture mm-hmm. and then twist its laws. So we but, do have to be careful about but that. Hold I, don't, I agree with you, though. I don't think that like where your great grandfather lived matters about your culture. Like does. But no, no. But, but, it, different but, cultures. but I'm saying a majority white. I'm talking about the fact that, you know, like America, right from from its inception. Right. I'm talking about America as a white Christian country. Country. That is originally like what our country was. And so it's not, I don't, it's Just not for people, people to be, that... it's, it's not supposed to be interpreted negatively. These are facts, right? These right. are facts. So, people so, get so triggered when you say majority here's, here's white. Here's what I love. I, 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 would, I don't even I would, know white. None of us are white. The transformation so, of our country. That doesn't matter to me. I don't care if this country is white, black, Asian, Latino, mixed, whatever. So long as the founding fathers' ideals, the visions, the constitution are upheld. Yeah. And so I can look to any number of the overwhelming majority of these white liberals, half of, this is the funniest thing about that statistic. It's like half of white people in this country are the, are the Marxists and the communists that are causing all the problems that have the weirdest racial views on everything. Yeah. But I would just put it this way. I, I, that statistic means so little to me. I would gladly. All of these communist, neo-Marxist, white liberal, left, whatever, if they were like, we're going to go to Venezuela, I'd be like, no, wait, don't. And if all of the Venezuelans who are like, we hate living under communism and we dream for America came instead, I'd be like, oh, no, we're not a white majority country anymore. But we have a whole bunch of freedom loving, mm-hmm. libertarian minded people who love the founding fathers. That is so much better well, that's than just white it. communists. Like when people used to come to this country, right, they'd come from all different walks of life, but you'd be united under the Ameri- you're talking about the American dream. That was the culture, right? You work hard and you're going to reap the benefits. Now yeah. it's it, it, it's just, we've lost that. So now you have all these cultures kind of clashing. Yeah, I'm just trying spot. to make the point that, you know, a lot of times people think, oh, you know, all the, all the Generation Z cares about is pop culture when really what we should be focused on when we talk about culture is our, our culture as a country, right? right. And, and there's so much negativity around those terms like nationalism, for example, and we've lost so much pride in our country. The youth of this country has been taught, a lot of them, Right. They're being indoctrinated to hate America, to uh, to embrace Marxist and communist ideology. And so when we talk about uh, politics being downstream from culture, we need to reclaim our national culture, our national identity. And that's not going to be done by boycotting things like Bud Light. That's going to be done by by securing our border and and uh, electing people like Donald Trump that are going to put America first. That that too, that too. I just I'm just saying like these cultural battles, politics is downstream from culture. Let's not allow Hollywood to come out and say orange man bad. Disney ran commercials. This is the weirdest thing. They ran uh, Disney. The Disney Channel had anti-Trump commercials. It's like for children. We know what they're doing. They're trying to indoctrinate kids. So the cultural battle is extremely important, making sure the next generation, as you say, they care about this stuff. So I'm not saying like Bud Light is the only thing we should focus on. I'm saying cultural battles in general matter. Yeah. And and we want to make sure that, look, man, I was hanging out with family and my, I was my cousins and their kids and they were saying, oh, you know, their teenage daughter doesn't care about news and politics. You're not going to get her to care and bother with it. And I was like, oh, I can explain it to her so she'll understand. And then I said, okay, um, you don't care about news, right? And she's like, no. And I was like, is there, is there, it's like president, politics, Congress, like, no, I don't care about that stuff. And I said, okay, is there, is there someone in your school you don't like? She's like, yeah. And I was like, imagine if they were put in charge of you and they could make all the rules for you and tell you what to do. And she went, no. And I was like, okay, that's politics. See, in high school, your politics is very small. 
Once you graduate, now all of a sudden you're like, wait, that guy is making the rules for me. No way. No. What what matters to you in your world is what surrounds you. So I was like, you'll you'll get into news, but it's just basically like all the drama you're going through in high school. Imagine it was on TV. And that's what politics and news is for adults. I thought you made a good point earlier, Laura, about boycotts and laziness people. I thought I think it's important that if you're going to boycott a product that you find out the company that makes it find out the company that owns exactly. them and then right. boycott all of that product. Yeah, and that's yes. all I'm trying to say is that, you know, you see a lot of this oftentimes where people say, oh, it's like a fad, right? It's in the moment and people say, yeah, I'm going to boycott this, but they don't actually know what that means. Like, do you know who actually owns the company, right? It's like people saying, oh, I'm going to boycott PayPal, but then they're like, oh, okay, can I, can you send me your Venmo? Well, do you know that PayPal owns Venmo? <laughs> right. right, so there's just so much intellectual laziness amongst our 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 community and our population and it's embarrassing right it's embarrassing when you see people talking about this and then you know they don't even know what they're talking about right, cash let's, app let's, is the way to go if you want to boycott paypal you well i'm banned on cash app so i boycott uh, all of them <laughs> can, you hang up? can you have a don't you didn't you have your uh bitcoin address uh messed with or something no that wasn't me that was somebody else i had um i had my venmo shut down i had my paypal shut down i was banned on cash app even though i had never even used cash app i just had downloaded it and when i went to use it for the first time it had said that i had been suspended um i'm banned on gofundme but but uh that's my point right is let's 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 talk about big, yeah. big tech so we have this other big story that's going on right now everyone's losing their minds over on x Elon Musk announces plan to remove the block feature on X in violation of Apple and Google Play Store guidelines. I genuinely do not understand why Elon Musk would want to remove the block feature. He says block is going to be deleted as a feature except for DMs. He says it makes no sense. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. I don't know. It, it makes a lot of sense. What do you guys, what do you, like, why not, not just, why not just mute? No, because block stops someone from basically stalking you. But then yeah. they just make a fake account and stalk you. Then I'll block that one too. But then they just make another one. And I'll block that one too. And then too. they make 50 more and, and then you're keep, busy. But then that I'll, makes so much time for you. And I'll you. block them every single time. I think it's better to mute someone and they don't know they're muted. So they can scream no, into the but void. Then, but See, there are prominent high profile people with millions of followers who don't make fake accounts and their job exists to stalk your Twitter, take you, your tweets out of context and insult you and smear you and make money off it. I'm going to make it harder for them by blocking them. So now they'll have to make a fake account, but many of them do not do it. Someone suggested if the mute button also made it so they can't post or reply to any of your stuff. That's a block. No, well, it's just block. Be, yeah. But it, they could still view your stuff. Right. I can I can open anyone's Twitter page in a private tab and see their profile if they've blocked me. Right. But you have to seek it out. Blocking someone makes it so that they, you don't appear in their feed anymore and out of sight, out of mind. It helps tremendously. There's another thing you can do, and it's a forced unfollow where you go to the person who's annoying and you block and unblock right away. What this does is if these people are stalking and, and like just un being annoying or like, I, I try to use this word lightly, harassing. Harassing to varying degrees, it's hard to on the internet, but there's a point where you can get to it if they're posting your address. And I've had people post photos of my house and address and things like that. If I block them, they'll go nuts. They'll make a fake account and then they'll start using that account to bother me again. So one thing you can do is block and unblock really quick. They're no longer following you, and now your posts won't appear in their feed, and they might slowly forget about you. There's a couple ways you can do it. But more importantly, let's just put it this way. 
There are prominent, high-profile nonprofit organizations who have staff who don't run sock puppet accounts. And if you block them, they stop talking about you. That's why blocking works. There's other things, too. I mean, some people do not. If, if you're telling me they might make a fake profile and stalk me and harass me anyway, okay, well, I'll make it harder for them. At least give me some options. It's like, don't say, well, they're going to come. They're going to break in your house anyway. Just open your windows. It's like, no, I'll lock my windows. Sure, they can smash the window and climb in, but I'll at least make it harder for them. But it's kind of like blocking someone's like making them wear a blindfold so they can't see you. It like, works. it's like, yeah, but it's not real. It doesn't because, well, it, it, not, it, bro, it works. If your goal is to make it so it, someone can't see your social media, you can't yes. do it. They can always make a new account. It, and it works. It the works. guys who work at Media I mean, Matters don't make it. fake accounts. That's it. How do you, there's no way to know that. There, okay, bro. Yes, there is. And I don't want to start talking about private security stuff beyond this, but you are completely wrong. Blocking matters. It is one of the first things redundant. we do in a security assessment when you're dealing with people swatting and doxing and sending bomb threats. The first thing you do is you make it harder for them to interact with you and your content. Yeah, mute. They can't mute call does you. does not do that. Then they can't, every time they try and call your number to, to dock or to, to call a bomb threat or whatever, it just goes into the void. It never, it never no. picks up. The point is you want them, you want to be harder for them to see you. That's it. You want to reduce visibility. It is not perfect, but it is the first action you take when dealing with stalking and harassment. It also, it, it, it prevents them from like interacting with your tweets. And your followers. And your followers and posting, on there and, and stuff. And posting so, porn and so other. So that kind of stuff matters about like how they can interact with your account is different when it's a block versus a and, and some of these accounts have 50,000 followers and they don't run sock puppets. Their goal is with their account to harass you to gain followers. If they can no longer do that, they'll target someone else. That's why adding to the mute function that they can't post on your stuff or just, retweet that, your stuff. Block. That's a block. It's just, a, no, but they can still see your stuff. And, they, think, and they still can right now. I personally think that if they're thinking of like, actually removing the block feature, then they should make it a policy that you're not allowed to have an anonymous account because I'm in favor of keeping the block. I agree with you as somebody who has been harassed online and has had stalkers and, you know, people be really, you know, weird online. Uh, you sometimes have to block them, right? Because people get obsessive. Like pe there are stalkers that, you know, latch on to you. And sometimes for your own safety, as Tim said, you have to block them because it becomes overbearing. They start There's posting, then, they, they reply to your posts yeah, with pictures of your house, and with it's your family also, members' names. It's also a way, like they can't, they can't say, oh, bullying is against our terms of service. You can't have people saying that bullying is not acceptable online, but then also say, okay, you're not allowed to block somebody. You have a right to decide what you don't want to see. This I don't personally think that people should be deplatformed. I don't think that we should be banning people, but every single person person should have the right to filter what they yeah. see. And yeah. if they want to block somebody, just like you can block someone on your phone, you should be able to block them on Twitter. You have the right to limit at who has access to you. Yeah, you're That's, not silencing You have them. the right to say you don't have... I don't want you interacting with me or anything that I am doing. You have that right in reality, like in, in the physical world, you can leave someone's presence and then you just don't go where they are. And if they show up, you leave or you might have to call the cops or whatever. Um, but you have the right to say that. There's one thing I just saw. Linda Yacarino just uh, tweeted a few minutes ago. Our user's safety on X is our number one priority. And we're building something better than the current state of block and mute. 
please keep the feedback coming. This was in rela- in response yeah, to just something like, that just like just Ma- like you can, just like Twitter now has uh, content creators, right? All right. Well, we should send Linda this clip but, so she can listen to us because these are good things. Um, yeah, I think something could be better than block and mute. I've always found block to be kind of ridiculous because people can just make fake accounts anyway. You can't. It's like I can't make you shut your eyes when you're looking at me. That's up to you. So, so I so, can ask you to leave. I can sh- close my ears right. off, but I can't shut your mouth, Phil. Like I can't so do reply, that guys. There are people on Twitter who are reply guys. They have, uh, there's one guy with 120,000 followers only because he he refreshes your page, waits for a new tweet, and then immediately posts something gross or offensive or insulting. If you block them, they can't do that anymore. They won't make a new account because they're trying to build followers on their current account. So blocking works. More importantly, there are people who do this and they will also post threats Photos of family members, private information. You block them; they can't do it anymore. There's a, there's a bunch of reasons why blocking is important. Yeah, we need an amalgamation of the of the of the abilities because I don't. When I block someone, I can still see them. I don't want to see those people. I want to mute them. When you, I don't when, ever want to no, think no, no, about no. that. When you block someone, Twitter stops showing you everything from. Not them. always. And that's the fact. Or it'll do. say oh, this user has been muted or blocked. I'm like, I don't. I know that's yep. so. Don't show me that crap. I don't want to know that they're posting. So if like, you block, erase them from my field of yes, view. If you block someone. And then someone else quote tweets them and says something, it'll say this tweet is unavailable. And mm-hmm. then you can choose to go to the person's profile and view the tweet by clicking view tweet, but they limit what you see, giving you the option. I also have a policy of anyone who blocks me that I see, I block back because then they're going to play that game where they don't want you to be able to read what they're saying about you, but they're going to go to your tweets and start doing the same, like doing the inverse. I personally love mute. Um, something at mines, we didn't have a mute function in the beginning. I don't know if it has a mute function right now. It's got a block function, but block is like, it's not that I don't want you to know what I'm up to. I just don't want to listen to you. Are you guys uh, familiar? You're familiar with steam. I know Tim and Ian, are yeah. you guys familiar with steam? Yep. So it's steam? just a, yeah, it's like a video game software on your computer. I don't know about it. If you're caught cheating, It'll ban your computer. So it doesn't matter if you make a new account. It knows you're logging in from the same piece of hardware and mm-hmm. you will never be able to log into that hardware game again ban. and play. Yeah, that's my question for you guys. Would you guys be in favor of like a hardware ban nope. for... like no. So you'd be able to block Ian nope. if he's being gross nope. on a hardware no. ban? Because uh, it can you can easily capture the, the wrong person with a hardware ban. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't like someone, banning people. Like imagine someone going on a library computer... Yep. So this actually happened with a lot of uh, uh, a lot of VPNs and stuff. The whole network gets banned because one person uses a certain you know router or whatever, and then that IP is banned instantly. It. It's oh, a lot of these networks auto ban VPN IPs anyway. I think banning people is a failure of a concept. You should be banning accounts if the account violates terms, and then if they make a new account, it's fair game. If you want to put in your terms that of someone that's been banned can't make a new account, I think that's dirty because people change and become better people. And that's the idea is we want to make each other better. I don't think you should be banned for anything unless you're inciting violence. You know, I just think that the terms of service need to be uh, identical to the United States Constitution. Awful, but yeah. awful. Oh, you'd no, love mine. I, I mean, that look, is like, you have Linda Yaccarino that just came out and basically said as a way to to kind of soften the blow, the reality check that, hey, guys, just kidding. You know, they all lied to you when they said that the new ownership of uh, Twitter or X, as they want to call it, is now pro free speech. It's not. OK, because they're creating these advertiser block lists. But instead of 
actually saying, hey, we're going to ban people that we don't like. They're going to say, hey, if you're a content creator, you can, you know, buy Twitter blue and then you can be a content creator and you're going to get paid. Except if you're lawful or awful, we're going to put you on a blacklist. And that's what they just said that they're going to do at Twitter. So it's basically the same censorship regime that we saw at Twitter 1.0. But they're trying to play good cap, good cop, bad cop by putting the blame on the advertisers. So instead of it being, oh, Elon Musk or Linda Yaccarino are censoring me. It's now, oh, well, sorry, you're on our advertiser block list. You have to take it up with the advertisers. I kind of take it. But ultimately, it. they're the ones that well, created they, they, that advertiser let's, block let's, list. Let's talk about this. Um, I did I did just get paid uh, on Twitter. I got paid uh, $4,377. I had a total in the past 28 days of 241 million impressions. And the reason I disclose all of this to you is because there are a lot of people with substantially less impressions who got paid more and people with more impressions who got paid substantially less. I, have you disclosed how much you got? You did. You tweeted it, right? Yeah. So I need to check and see because um, I don't think you can check your impressions on your phone. You have to be on your computer to check it. I think so. so I need true. to see what the impressions were, but I know they're going to be over 100 million. But I have at least over 150 million impressions every single month. And you, I just got paid today and I only got paid $190 and 22 cents. So if you go, <laughs> if you open a browser and log in and go to analytics.twitter.com, it'll show you right oh, away what okay. your impressions are. But you got to log in on the browser and do desktop site or whatever. Yeah. But uh, I, I can say uh, without, I'm not going to reveal anyone's identity, but we know, I know someone who received a couple hundred dollars with only a few thousand followers and you've got how many, half a million? I have half a million and every single week I post multiple videos almost exclusively on Twitter now because I don't really, I don't, I've never been monetized on YouTube and for some reason my Rumble channel, no matter how much I post, it just doesn't let me grow my channel. It's very strange. And so I could get like 2000 views on Rumble and YouTube, but then I'll get a million or 5 million views on a, on a video that I upload to Twitter. And I consistently get hundreds of thousands of impressions on all of my tweets. All of my tweets go super viral and people can see from these videos, they have millions of views, but even then I'm getting paid the same amount of money as people who have literally 70, I don't know, like 500, and were, 570 and followers. I saw one person that had 2000 followers and they said that they got paid $4,000. You so were, this is the, this is the crazy thing. Apparently they're saying this payment was just for the past 10 days. I don't and there are there are people make any sense. Yeah, that's reportedly it's for the past ten days. And there are people who got paid like ten grand. You talking about Ian Miles Chong's numbers were off the hook. He tweeted it out. We're still gray as his uh, Twitter account. What did he get? Still gray. He posted three payments over the last. I don't know four some four payments over the last month or something, and they yeah, were all so. pretty impressive. It was like six thousand, ten. Yeah, but 000. I want to know how is it that Ian Ian Miles Chung? If you look at those payments, one of them was like seven thousand, one of them was thirteen thousand, I believe, and the other one was sixteen thousand. Because I tweeted about it before coming on tonight, and I said, "How when is it he that he this? has about two? He has about two hundred thousand followers more than I have, okay? And he's getting paid, you know? There it is. He he put three hours ago." Yeah, so if you look at it, right? Oh, so there it is. He's got about 720,000. I don't know. You have to see the exact number, but over 700,000 followers, and he gets paid $7,302 this month. I think they I have, no, 20 grand. He I made have, 20 grand this month. I have half month. a million, and I get paid $190.22. I mean, I should at least be. 
you know, in the 1,000, 2,000, maybe even 3,000 range. It's not like that's it's that po- much of a difference. It's possible that the ads are weighted uh, differently on YouTube. I know different creators would get different revenue models. Um, it was all proprietary. Like they'd be like, this guy, we really want. They're people. Yeah, now. I mean, actually, they actually said they're putting you on the lawful but awful. But how do you know that, you know, I find I find Linda Yaccarino to be lawful but awful. I can't stand her. I don't like the fact that she's a World Economic Forum puppet. I don't like the fact that she pushed the vaccine. I don't like the fact that she's a leftist who came from corporate media. I don't like that. So if I were in a position of power like that someday, maybe she'll end up on a demonetization list, right? Lawful but awful is subjective. There are people that love me. There are people that think I'm awful, just like there's people that love her and people who think she's awful. And I think it's really ridiculous that we're allowing one person to decide what is lawful but awful. Yeah. It's discriminatory. It, I don't think it should be one person. It's I agree. Discriminatory. But there are situations where lawful things should be censored, in my opinion, as a social media admin, because un- no censorship is chaos. Like you'll have blown open body parts when you open your news. Child feed. abuse. Yeah. Stuff like that. That's well, child child abuse is illegal, but like v- viewing a blown open body is legal. But you don't want that on your website when everyone lands on your homepage because no one will come. So yeah, you need to censor not, and well, create just we're terms. Not, we're not talking about porn or, you know, dead bodies on the timeline. We're talking about, they're saying what's lawful and awful is I'm not, I'm not posting anything graphic or, or nasty. I'm not violating terms of service. I'm exposing Ron DeSantis every single day. And I guess, you know, given the fact that maybe Elon Musk has come out and said that he supports Ron DeSantis, you know, he allowed for him to have his kickoff on Twitter. Maybe that's why I'm being demonetized, right? Who knows? But I think that politics are coming into play because I will say that everybody that messaged me today who has a large account on Twitter, who received a couple hundred dollars or $50 when people that have a quarter of their following receive thousands of dollars, we all have one thing in common. You know what that is? Well, actually, it's two things, but it's really one thing if you encompass it all together. We're all Trump supporters and we're all outspoken critics of Ron DeSantis. And I find it to be really interesting that the thing that everybody who received a large payout has in common, they're all outspoken supporters of Ron DeSantis. It's just strange. I think it's bizarre. And maybe is someone E-Mail's should investigate. To, uh, is yeah, trying to he's a DeSantis guy. When I think about like social media censorship, right. I don't like telling corporations what they can and can't do when it comes to their own company and their own data sources. Like, uh, So I think like they should free their, we should make them free their software code, let other people spin up versions of X <laughs> that will interoperate, and then they can compete terms of service. So like, if my version of X is better than Elon's terms and I don't ban people like you or don't demonetize, people like you will come use the service and I'll get people will come to yeah. my terms because my terms are better because otherwise you're just smashing a hammer down on corporation like did you just say i don't like telling companies what to do that's why we got to make sure that they yeah using the, we make them open up their their you will, uh, i don't like their, just their code just systematically using the government to decide what a corporate how a corporation has to run its business but yeah, you I'm want but I'm, you want to the make them open I'm, up their I'm open code. to antitrust situations just, where monopolies need to be broken up and you can't split this company apart like instagram you, facebook so, Facebook Messenger, if you made those three separate companies, Zuckerberg so, would still own yeah, them all. Yeah, but hold on. Do you think that, do you consider Twitter uh, like, uh, uh, would, would Twitter need an antitrust Yeah, situation? it's monopolistic, so, of course. But there's, all, there's Gab, there's Parler, there's, uh, there, what's the other one? There's uh, Truth. There, Truth. Well, mine's Shout isn't, out to True Social. Mine's True isn't social. like Twitter. Social. I'm talking about that are Twitter kind of thing. Blue Sky. So that's, that's threads. Yeah. There's like Mastodon. five Mastodon. five things that are, well, Mastodon's different, but even so, that's like five com- competitors for Twitter. That, like Twitter is not in any way 
a a monopoly because there are competitors. Just because the competitors don't you know don't get the they same kind are, of though, traffic. They definitely are the state actors. I mean, look, we saw. <laughs> look, section section two thirty definitely needs to be repealed, and these companies need to be held accountable. I have an yeah, active RICO lawsuit right now against these companies. Well, no, they're not. You, they're they're not. They've they've transcended the role of a private company. They are essentially state actors. We saw during the congressional not, hearing that they're that working you shouldn't, you shouldn't on a pull third party cloud because server of that. called Jira. Jira, you know what Jira is? Yeah. The third party cloud project server management software. This. Yeah, but they're using this to communicate with the DOJ and DHS and FBI and CIA. That's no all fine, but that doesn't mean that you re- that doesn't mean you repeal all of two thirty. You can you can maybe these maybe these companies don't get two thirty protection. Fine, but they you don't repeal two thirty because other because there are companies that need to be treated differently. Under well, I think the it's law. important for people to understand that Section two thirty was also created before these social media companies Fair ever enough. existed, and so it's really become a Frankenstein. Li- Frankenstein, uh, you know, Frankenstein law, I guess you could say, uh, that has turned into a monster. Fair enough. And these companies, and these companies, maybe their status needs to be looked at or whatever. That's, that's totally fine. I have no issue with that, but you don't repeal all of 230. It it answered your question, Phil, about, is it a monopoly? I defer to daily, uh, unique users. And I would say like, you've got to pick a number at some point, 500 million daily, unique views or something like that. I strongly disagree because there's, there's multiple options that people can go to just because Twitter's the most successful doesn't mean that there aren't other options for people to go to so like and and look i get it they're like google's like most of the internet i get it but like all my stuff runs runs on brave like and and i don't use the google stuff so like it's just i have a real problem with saying hey you know we don't want to force companies to do stuff but then being like but we're gonna go in there and we're gonna Un- make them open up their code for other people to to go ahead and, and share and, and make it public. And then we're going to force them to do this and force them to do that. And especially because it sounds to me like you're looking to or you're talking about Twitter as a as a monopoly because of Twitter's success, not because of some kind of barrier to entry that Twitter and the government have erected to other companies. Other companies can start websites there are multiple uh twitter com- competitors none of them have been able to do what twitter's done fair enough but that doesn't mean that that the government needs to to do something about twitter because other companies haven't been able to emulate their success you know you might be right about twitter i don't know the numbers on the back end but you brought up google alphabet now that's one that i want to focus a little more um confidently on that it's a monopoly that it, it it runs ad networks it runs search engines they have art like they own eight companies i mean alphabet owns like things in all medical industry these things so like google's maybe twitter's still still too small maybe x is too small to be considered a monopolistic force but i mean i find google to be kind of monopolistic right now my phone is running on freaking android google like yeah. i mean i don't i don't i i get wary about stuff I get wary about people or about the idea of the government getting involved just because a company is big. And a lot of people think that because a company's big, that must mean that they had some kind of, you know, some kind of uh, either either there was there's been a barrier to entry to other competitors in the marketplace or something like that. And I don't think the government should just be like, okay, well, we're going to stick our nose in. There's, had, there's a lot of different, like you said, you mentioned your your Google uh, phone. I use yeah, an Apple phone. App stores. Know? So Google so. and Apple have a monopoly on the app stores right now. If you don't play by their rules and you want to get your app on there, you can't. They won't let you load your app into their store. That's didn't, a monopoly. Didn't Tim, didn't wasn't the Timcast app available from the website for a while first? It Might still is. Yeah. 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 Mine's yeah. went through oh, hell and, trying and, to do uh, it. Good news. The apps are currently in review and should be up in a week. Mm-hmm. So if you don't, there's they have like rules. Like some people said, if removing a block feature from Twitter 
or X would make it so that it can't be uploaded into the store now. And that's a monopoly. That's a the decision by Alphabet if Twitter can even exist in the network. So like at some point, I mean, at some point we need to seize control of these corporations or they will. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Seize control of us. So I'll just say uh, one thing real quick, too, for those that are wondering. The reason I'm posting about the metrics and the money is because as a new feature on Twitter, I think it's important people understand how much work you have to do, how much you get paid for, for that work, what kind of work gets money. And so I had 243 million impressions in the last 28 days. I got paid $4,377. X staff told me this would be actually July, I think half of July, because everyone got paid on August 8th and I didn't. They said all of that money I didn't get paid would be included in the next payout. So this 400, uh, so it should, it should, uh, follow through that 243 million impressions because we're looking about it, it makes sense it's about 28 days is uh four thousand three hundred seventy seven dollars a lot of people are saying that smaller channels smaller twitter accounts that get less views are getting substantially more money and that's because of interactivity so the scenes get paid way more money because their tweets encourage debate which means more people it, it doesn't matter how many impressions you have if people see me post something silly or stupid a million and they see a million views that doesn't mean they clicked the tweet and then saw an ad beneath it. That's where you make money. So for people who are on Twitter and wondering why you're not getting paid, you make a tweet where you say, hey, guys, what do you think about, you know, Donald Trump doing a backflip? That's going to generate more money with 100 with 100,000 impressions than me posting a photo of Trump mm-hmm. literally backflipping and getting 10 million views. You know, what's, no one clicks. what's so gross is when I'm going on Twitter or X and I, I, it'll be a post. that will say you walk into the room. She's looking at you like this with an ice cream cone in your hand. What do you do? It's just such engagement farming trash. I'm so sick. Ever since they monetized like two months ago, it's this junk yeah, crap. I mean, I will say it's a little bit of a bait and switch business practice. First, it's like, okay, guys, you have to you have to have what was it? Five million impressions per month. And and post a certain amount of times. What was it? 20, 20. You have to have at least like 20 tweets. You remember, Tim, what it was? 20 tweets per month, I think, or 20 tweets know. per week. Five million. But my point is, it's like first it's, oh, okay. It's impression based. Now, all of a sudden, after they used it as a marketing gimmick to get all these people to sign up, like, oh, wow, I too can make $10,000 a month if I just decide to become a professional Twitter poster. Now, all of a sudden it's, Oh, just kidding, guys. It's not Twitter impressions, but it's engagement within mm-hmm. your post. It's just really dirty, in my opinion, because because, you know, it's it's not what they told us. And I look at some of these posts. I post a lot more. I get a lot of engagement. I get a, I'm a very controversial person, um, if you couldn't notice or you couldn't tell already. And the fact of the matter is there's always people in my comments debating and talking and I'm trending on Twitter multiple times a week. And the fact that I can get that much engagement, I can trend on Twitter five times in one month and I'm getting paid $190 and 22 cents. I don't think so. I think that there's a political bias here. And I think that they need to provide more transparency uh, with regards to how this algorithm is run and how they're lawful but awful. Uh, blacklist is being operated. We're going to go to Super Chats. If you haven't already, would you kindly smash that like button? Subscribe to this channel. Share the show with your friends. Share it on Twitter. Here's what you do. Take the URL. Go on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. 
post it and then ask a question. Hey, this episode with Laura Loomer is really interesting. What did you think? And then you'll get paid by X, apparently. Uh, and you'll help, you'll help the show. Not Let's, if you're a Trump supporter, though. Not if it, yeah, you, oh. you, you, no, you, you actually have to put, hey, they're wrong about DeSantis. Do you agree? You also got yeah, to right <laughs> You have to praise DeSantis and then, yeah, but if you're a Trump supporter and you tweet it, trust me, you're not going to get paid. You get less money. I think we you need to be premium, meaning you need to be $8 a month for blue and then you yeah. need to sign up your uh, Stripe account and yep, hook it yep. all up before you, you even start to get paid. Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, let's read. Noah Sanders says, first today, baby, congratulations. Tim, don't forget the chicken auction. I hope to get an invitation. Also, since you don't have an after show on Friday nights, how about an after show for the Culture War podcast? Well, we we are we are looking at ways to create a member premium thing for the Culture War. The reason we do it on on Friday mornings because that's the only time we have to do it. Uh, Friday nights, the plan has always been to do one of two things: live jam session after the show, which we used to do, and we were building this new space for that purpose. And it's just was supposed to be done two years ago. So uh, we, we Ian and I were talking. We may just actually clean up the the pre the former Culture War space for music performances and then just get that audio set up because I don't know how long the new studio is going to take to get done. But the other thing we're planning is Poker with the Boys, which is the live stream poker show. We, uh, we've, been, we've been talking to a couple people about being the regulars and the hosts for the show and then getting regular players. The show is not a poker show. It is a table talk goofing off show about a variety of issues while people play poker for fun. So if you're not a poker person, it's really just having comedians hang out with, you know, people like, you know, we'll have Alex Jones sitting down playing a game and everyone's kind of talking. The challenge we have with that is it's illegal to do everywhere and it's so stupid. So we got to figure that one out. But uh, that's the plan for Friday nights. We'll see what happens. All right. Keaton Carpenter says, Tim, share the show with your friends. Tim, never post the link on his own Twitter. <laughs> uh, I do sometimes. And I did today. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. But, uh, but typically rarely. And because we're doing the show, you know. I'm not your buddy guy says now is the time to circle the wagons around Trump. He must show these communists. We will not tolerate this. A cabal should never be able to dictate who can or cannot be elected in any country. Agreed. All right. I'm not your buddy guy continues says I was deeply disappointed in Ben Shapiro and having a very short term outlook on this saying the indictments are the reason to drop Trump. If they can do it once, they'll do it again. That is a very, very short term way of thinking. And it's and it's. um. I don't know, myopic. I don't know why people are surprised, though. I mean, look, uh, Ben Shapiro has a notorious never-Trumper. I don't know why people even pay attention to him. His voice is uh, so grating, it makes my ears want to bleed. The, and, the, and the thing about Ben Shapiro is that uh, he's, an, he's an original never-Trumper. People need to remember, in 2016, he fabricated allegations of assault with Michelle Fields when he was working at Breitbart against Corey Lewandowski, who was the campaign manager for Donald Trump. OK, and then when the video came out, it showed that they actually he actually didn't uh, assault Michelle and Ben had egg on his face and he has continued to be aggressively anti-Trump. So I don't think people really should be taking him seriously on any if, of those. If, if anything, the indictments I, I make me lean more towards Trump. Because yeah. that you, we can't allow this. Well, Ben Shapiro has also received a hun over $110,000 in payments, as I as I uh, posted on my Twitter the other day, from Ron DeSantis. If you look at the they, financial they, reports. They bought a newsletter thing, right? Is that what they did? Whatever they want to say, it's still a conflict of interest because he has a financial relationship, whether it's pre-existing or current. That's a conflict of interest that he should be disclosing, which he has never publicly disclosed could, uh, to his audience. I could be wrong, but I think what it is, the De De DeSantis campaign bought like a newsletter at 
advertising thing? They say that it was list rentals, was? but I don't know. Right, I've, I've, right. I've, rented, I've rented lists before and you don't get checks that, that big. I mean, that's just- Well, I mean, the Daily, the, the, uh, the daily Wire's got a big I've got list. a big list too. Yeah, I got a massive list. What, and I'll what, tell what, you right now, that's those aren't the type of payments that you get for list rentals. Uh, and a lot of times, the, uh, I'm just saying that that's the same exact thing. The sales, that's the but. same thing that the Babylon Bee said when they got you know called out for for having their ties with uh, with um, Ron DeSantis. But regardless, he has a history. I think people just need to investigate, right? Like I do, and look into the backgrounds of these people, and you won't be so surprised if you really see their past comments. I like this one. K two Water says Tim for for the earlier segment today. Rioters and looters are different races, but I would bet a majority of them vote Democrat. If civil war broke from riots, it would still be left wing versus right wing. Yeah. So the, the, the point that I was making, I did a segment. I record I record segments, extra bonus segments throughout the week and then put them all put, put the extra ones on Friday was that you get a lot of people who will post these riots and it's a bunch of like black teenagers. And then I'm like, yeah, but come on, post the anti rights, all white people. And I'm like, my point is like it's not the racial component as K2 water nails it's a bunch of Democrats. Like it's leftist Democrat voters that are doing this. It's not like, it's not a bunch of conservatives going around smashing cars and looting Nordstrom. It's, it's not, they're not voting Republican because Republicans are like, we will arrest these people. And the Democrats are like, we'll let them go. Gee, I wonder who they're voting for. Let's grab some more. Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, Laura, I did an X poll from the culture war about who won the debate. You won with 69%. With an astounding 26% in second place was loud noises. <laughs> so, so Bill got what, like two or three? Yeah, respect for, to Bill for coming on the show, uh, at the very least, because a lot of the DeSantis people just won't come on or can't come I saw on. about 40 minutes of it, and you guys all were making good points. I highly recommend checking it out. It was fun. It was very fun. Bill was a really good sport about being called, and he, he, okay, he, he said that he, he, he was called an aging lesbian. Or he looked like one. No, he said that Alex Bruzewitz had called him, uh, had said that he looked like an aging lesbian and he was complaining and trying to say, oh, Trump supporters are so mean, you know, all this victim stuff that the DeSantis people love doing and engaging in as if they're not online attacking, attacking Trump supporters and saying, oh, Donald Trump should be in prison. And, you know, saying and then that Alex Bruzewitz took the clip of him just saying, I look like and ran it. Michael yeah. Malice then, has already retweeted it. Leave it and, to then, Bruce and then Bill, <laughs> I got to give him credit afterwards. He started laughing. He says, I knew the moment I said it, they got me and they were going to make that clip. And he laughed about it. So, you know, respect to, to, to Bill for coming on. Um, because look, I'll be honest, we even talked about it. a bunch of, uh, we, when we reach out to the DeSantis people, like guys, we want to have an honest conversation. They refuse to do it and they are not allowed to do it. So, all right, let's go. The bonus holes, good name says, instead of getting rid of the block button, Elon should make good on his promise to make Twitter free speech. Fair point. Free speech isn't free though. We have a lot of rules in this country that allow us to speak freely. We have a good one for, for uh, Laura here. V Vivian Reed says, in the culture war, Laura mentioned about the quid pro quo with Kenneth Griffin, but never got a chance to talk about it. Can you guys talk about it a little here? Yeah, so <laughs> there was a report that came out yesterday, or the I believe it the day before yesterday. And I think it was originally, if I recall correctly, published in Bloomberg. And then it was recirculated by Yahoo as well, since they have a paywall at Bloomberg. And uh, essentially what it was is it said that uh, Ken Griffin had... Uh, actually shaped the legislation that Ron DeSantis, if you recall, last year uh, had said that he was going to make it illegal after there was this really big viral story, went viral about how uh, 
individuals tied to the Chinese Communist Party wanted to purchase land near Ocala, Florida, uh, which is close to where I live. And they wanted to have it be a medical testing center for monkeys. And people started freaking out. And then it prompted DeSantis to say, "Okay, we're going to pass legislation to make it so that Chinese nationals cannot uh, acquire land in the state of Florida if you know, they're tied to the CCP. Well, ultimately, right, Ron DeSantis did this and he used it as campaign fodder to say that he was protecting Floridians from foreign land grabs, right, since the Ch a lot of Chinese nationals are buying up a lot of America's farmland. Uh, but it was another example of him misrepresenting what he actually did. He had originally said he was going to make it all encompassing, right, of all the land. But then Ken Griffin, who, as I pointed out before, uh, is the head of the Citadel Hedge Fund, which recently received an infusion of $1.5 billion from Sequoia, uh, which is heavily compromised by uh, the CCP. And uh, additionally, right, the head of one of the uh, global managing partners of Sequoia, a guy by the name of Doug Leone, just donated $2 million to Ron DeSantis's PAC. And so Ken Griffin, because he has so many financial interests and ties in China and his net worth is now worth over $22 billion as a result of that infusion, which allowed him to participate in the stock and bonds market in China with the Chinese Communist Party, he went to DeSantis and had him change the language, right? And it was never disclosed to the public. So this is quid pro quo because in return, Ron DeSantis received a donation of $5 million to his political committee from Ken Griffin. And that's going to now allow, right, Chinese nationals to acquire land. And what did Ken Griffin do? Well, right before Ron DeSantis filed to run for president, he moved himself and a lot of his employees to Miami, Florida. What did DeSantis change exactly language wise? So now it's near now it's only land only near military bases, I believe, as opposed to all land. Yeah. Right on. Let's read some more. Where are we at? Curtilingus says, if a state removes Trump from the ballot, can the people of that state still write his name in? Two, Seamus Coffee Spoons, the flavored ones that dissolve as you stir. Where'd my spoon go? That's a really good idea. Yes, if, if Trump's name is removed, you can write him in, of course. But the point is, there's gonna be a lot of voters who normally just vote Democrat, Republican, and they're gonna be like, huh? And they're not gonna be able to vote for anybody. It'd be funny to have a, a biodegradable spoon in every bag of Seamus yeah. Coffee that we, disintegrates we, in your coffee. I wish we could do that. That's I big, don't think we can do that. It's a big game. That would be amazing. Uh, like, in, yeah, a cinnamon mm -hmm. spoon or whatever. Like a stir. cinnamon sugar cube. The color of the Irish spoon. flag, yeah. I, I mean, it would take a long time to figure out how to do something. Cellulose, like maybe? No, no, no. You could do a sugar thing, but it's just like to actually get it manufactured, packaged, attached to the bag, <clears> shipped <throat> out. Yeah. We are, we are nowhere near that, um, <laughs> that level. Maybe once the actual physical location is up, we can start doing specialty products. All right, all right, we'll grab some more. Anime Lair says, Hi, Tim, I'm one of those uninitiated people you speak of, and I was just wondering if you get in contact with you directly. Let me know so I won't message again. I don't want to look like some crazy stalker. Uh, I don't believe you're uninitiated, and that's why I read your comment, because you know that I use the term uninitiated, and you are watching this show and reached out. <clears throat> um, my email, I have an email on the website, but uh, I got to be completely honest. It's almost impossible to get in touch with me. I don't answer my phone anymore. Uh, I, everything's screened. I don't own a computer. I don't own a phone and, uh, it's impossible for me to have these devices. So there you go. Welcome to the club guy. Sometimes I, I, I'll, guess. I get 400 emails per day. I delete most of them instantly. I'll message Tim and maybe hear back from him the next day. Yeah. Maybe I just see him at night. 
Yeah, if I'm here. Unless it's a really it's important, just, then I'll text you. Like I, 400 plus emails by the time I wake up in the morning and I'm just like, delete. And then my phone is just, it's insane. And there are people, they're like, dude, I texted you. What's going on? I'm like, bro, I got 8,000 texts yesterday. That's like, how I feel. It yeah. It drives me crazy. You, I just can't. I can't answer it. You know? Yeah, and people just don't have boundaries, too, when you're a public figure, right? They just think that, oh, you're just going to drop your life and everything that's going on because I'm the most important thing in the world, right? I'm just you know, speaking of the people that, of course, want to blow your phone up and annoy you, you all day. You know, the number one question I get asked is? What? What do you guys think is the number one question people text me for? Is it okay if I message you? No. Oh. Can you retweet this? Close, close. Can I come on your show? Close. Can you shout Because those, those are like number three and number four. Can you shout the, the me out online? A, a, yeah. a shout out, retweet, okay. you're close. Any idea? Read no. this article? No, oh, really? You guys their, can figure it out? They want their own Casper flavor. No. <laughs> good one. All right, nobody can get it? No. What do you look like without your hat on? That's a good no. one, and I still want to know. The no, number, no, I, the I, number I, I, one I'm question I get asked what? by anybody who's, for some reason, acquired my phone number has to do with another show. Will you go on... Nope. Will you have Sam Cedar nope. on? <laughs> Nobody's Damn. texting me that. <laughs> In a perfect world. Infowars? It's about Vice. No. Okay, you guys you guys lose. It's can you call Joe Rogan for oh, me? Joe Rogan. Oh yeah. Wow. I want you to let him know to tell Tom Segura to call his next uh tour. <laughs> That's right. I'm still coming. That's Dude, gross. Tom Segura. Tom, name your next tour. I'm still get, coming, bro. I get emails and phone calls you wouldn't believe from like, hey man, it was really good seeing you a couple weeks ago. I came out. Thanks for having me. Can yeah. you reach out to Joe Rogan for me? And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I just delete the email. Dude, but if yeah, people are like, Phil, do you know, can you tell Zoltan this from Five Finger? Can you tell Ivan this? Or can you tell at and there's that happens a lot. It's, yeah. I just I just tell people I'm like, I'm going to be really honest with you. OK, I'll be very, very blunt. What do you think would happen if every time someone asked me he'd block you to, instantly. to reach out to Joe Rogan? He'd block you. He'd have to. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm yeah. just texting Joe nonstop. Like, you know how many messages another... I received since I uh, was with President Trump? Can you talk it's to Trump It's just crazy. For me? It's like all of a sudden, you know, I have one, I have a photo of President Trump and now I probably had, and this is no exaggeration, and I still haven't even gone through all my messages. I mean, if I look right now, how many is it? It's, it's crazy. It's like, it's it's like dude, I, I, I 1, might. 1,247 1, unread text messages. And it's like, oh, oh can you, can you get me a meeting? Can you do this? And yep. I just. I don't, I can't this, reply. This is why every, every, everyone's, set, everyone's like, why don't you get Trump on the show? We would love to have it. It's because I am not going to go to all of the people we know who are in Trump circle and be like, hey, talk to Trump. Not happening. Yeah. Like when Don Jr. was here, we would like, of course, we're always, we always love to have your dad on. You know, if it happens, it happens. But exactly. we'll go through the normal channels and I'm not going to pester everybody. But it's a lot. I, I, and the funny thing is, it's like, you know, I, 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 I don't talk to Joe. Like, I maybe a couple times a year something might come up like we were in Austin I was like hey what's up buddy uh you know and that's about it it might be something random like an article comes out about Bigfoot and then I'll be like I just have to share this with you dude so Tom Segura's tour is called I'm <laughs> I'm coming everywhere hilarious I want his next tour to be called I'm still coming I just got to get the message through to Tom so can you message Joe Rogan and ask him that's to, right yeah. okay that's what you, you'll notice if you guys if you start doing it's not personal when when you don't get responded to by people that are on TV it's just it gets so f big so fast that like yeah. and you want to maintain still like a normal human life it just becomes overwhelming you know because people people just don't really understand how unrealistic they're requests are right like i get asked all the time because i'm really good friends with roger stone oh can you get roger to come speak at this event can you get this person to come speak here it's like you know these people have speaking fees right they don't a lot of people don't seem to understand the, the sacrifice that you're asking somebody to make by you know 
harassing and, and badgering another person to come attend an event. And and there's just no personal boundaries, I feel, when you're a public figure. And it's hard to kind of have that life. It's very overwhelming. And I'll just, I I'll struggle ju with it. I'll say everybody really this. Do. Like, you know, everyone always wants to go on Joe Rogan's show. There's a lot of people, I think, who would do really, really well on the biggest podcast in the world. But the first thing I told Joe before I went on his show was, hey, man, I'm, ne I'm never going to ask you to go on your show. Yeah. You know, you hit me up anytime you think I'm a good fit. And he was like, no, it's cool, man. We'll figure it out. And that was it. And then he called me back like an hour later, like, hey, man, actually, can you fly out this Friday? And I was like, that's in two days. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm, my, my attitude is very much you got to understand how many people everyone, everyone is trying to get something from someone else because right. they think the key to their success is another person. Mm -hmm. But it's really just going to be you. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I will say something really fascinating as you get older. And you notice the people that you knew and where they end up and where some people don't end up. It's just like an interesting thing to reflect on. I'm, I'm young. I remember how I viewed all the people in the world who were doing great things and how I felt about it. Right. And now where I am now doing this show and everything. But what's always amazing to me is seeing people from my neighborhood when we were kids who were just some random kid being a, a pro skateboarder or a rock star. And then someone being like, oh, you realize that dude in the band, like he's, he's signed to a major label deal. Like they got like a hundred million. I'm like, whoa, damn, John's doing that. That's crazy. I don't even, I don't even think about these people anymore. It's kind of, it's like a crazy thought. It's cool. It's cool but, but a lot of this stuff is like, you can track, you can look back at everything they did and you're like, oh, I see how they made it there. They did the work. Some yeah. people get lucky. You don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. Like getting that, your big break, people seeking that big break where you get put in the spotlight and a hundred well, million look, people see you. It's Joe still, Rogan, it's up to you to make something of that big break. Rogan did that to me. You know what I mean? I had 300,000 subscribers when Joe asked me to come on his show. And then I jumped up to like 600. And then the next time I came on his show, I jumped up to 800. But if you hadn't put in five years of daily work, you wouldn't even be asked to go on the yeah, show. Yeah, you never know place. when you're going to get your break. And it I just gotta, comes randomly when you least expect it, you know? And, and to so be you have to work right. hard. You have to do it on your own. And people often ask me when I speak, well, how do I get involved? How do I organize? What's the best way to organize? And I think that so many people always, they rely on others, right? They have this group mentality of, okay, I need other people to join with me when you just have to recognize the power of your own actions, the power of, of taking the first step and the power of your own voice and really the most powerful thing that you that a person can do is be courageous because you don't know right how far being courageous and 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 taking a first step and being a leader and doing something innovative on your own uh can be i think that i think that some of the most transformative and impactful things that have happened in our world have been done uh by by just you know people let's, acting on their own accord let's 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 simplify it one day, Laura Loomer decided to go hire some illegal immigrant workers at a Home Depot and Jeez. go to Nancy Pelosi's house. There's no barrier for entry for that. There's no gatekeeper. There's no industry. Right. Literally, Laura, th this is why I say uh, when you when you handcuffed yourself to Twitter's door. By myself. No one you, went with me. You have done things that have generated more press than billion dollar PR firms could ever wish for. Yeah. One of the reasons why they ban you. But it was funny because when they banned you from Twitter... And then the next thing we know, all these journalists are like, Laura Loomer has handcuffed herself to the door of Twitter. You are the top trend in the world on Twitter on a yep. platform that just tried to remove you. you I, was, I was the top trend <laughs> on Twitter while I believe President Trump and Vladimir Putin were at the G20 summit. And they were even talking about it at the G20 <laughs> summit because I had a friend of mine who was there reporting on it. And they told me that Emmanuel Macron had turned to them and was talking about the <laughs> fact that, oh, my God, somebody just handcuffed themselves to Twitter. So... Like I said before, I it's just that. you you can you sometimes just have to do things on your own and it may sound crazy and it may sound absurd, but it could be transformative. Yeah. You could change the world. 
Let's read more. El Cid says, Tim, you, sh- you need to debate Ben Shapiro on why Trump should be the nominee and not DeSantis. Uh, yeah, I'd love to. I don't think so. I, I don't think it would happen because we're both doing our own shows. We're both very busy. But I don't, I don't, I don't imagine it would be a very strong debate because I don't think that Ben and I are the, are the, like, I know the meme with Ben is debate me, but I think the reality is for Ben is have a conversation with me about it. We'd probably go back and forth on a few points. He'd have to concede a few things. I'd probably say, I get where you're coming from on, on a bunch of different things, you know, but I definitely think it should be Trump and not DeSantis. And I'm just, I'm sorry, man. Look, you could make all the arguments in the world about DeSantis on, on policy or whatever. I know Laura disagrees on all those things, but one simple thing matters. His policy is out of the question. His campaign has failed. It Maybe there's a chance it turns around. I don't think it's the zero. I just think it's like 1%. Maybe I'll be wrong, but it, like his, his PR people, his communication staff are just doing so apocalyptically bad. If Trump or Vivek gets the nomination for president, do you think it would be better to have Ron as a VP or someone else like in? Th- it can't be a VP. It's unconstitutional. Oh, that's right. Because they live, because in, the they live in the same state. Yeah, you know, but here, here's but what about RFK? Let, let, let me like, just say this. Structurally, I pulled, when you brought that up, I pulled up a news article that said, here's the provision in the Constitution, Article 2 saying from separate states. And then there's a bunch of other fact checks saying that's actually incorrect and misinterpreted. So if it were possible, do you think it would be better to have Ron as a VP or like RFK? RFK. RFK. Yeah. Absolutely. I would never want Ron as a VP. Ugh. But I don't want him uh, anywhere. I want him gone. I want him to leave Florida. <laughs> I never want to see him again. But and 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 I, and I get that. And then practically speaking, outside of like, in terms of the broader political uh, attraction, a cross-party ticket. Yeah. Twenty percent of Democrat voters like RFK, and a lot of people if, like Vivek too. Liberals. Right. But I, but like a, a a a Trump Kennedy ticket, I think gets you captures a lot of. Uh, even a small portion of Democrat That's votes. That's a unity ticket. Is, you said right. you like unity. There you go. And you know, I want to give credit to the person that was first to propose that idea. It's Roger Stone. So Roger Stone was the first person to put that into the public sphere about a possible Trump Kennedy ticket. I have yet to I, interview I would, Roger Stone. He'd be interesting to interview. Yeah, he, I, I know he wants to come on. You guys should have Roger Stone on. Yeah. I, cool. I think culture war is probably better. A longer conversation about everything. Or actually, I mean. Like he, a Friday he, where he does both, maybe. I've never yeah, talked to him before, I, but I hear a maybe lot Maybe we'll figure it. that one out. Yeah, you have to. I think he could, he could. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, He's let's, an icon. T- Tim, uh, Adrian Curry's tweeting at you and I. She says that uh, she wants you to reach out to Joe Rogan for her. And she asked me <laughs> to tell you, Ian, that she's, she says, can you tell Ian that he rolls too many ones? Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying. Thanks for relaying the effort. Actually, Adrian, can you tell Michael Malice that I've been thinking about him? Um, <laughs> let him know. To be honest, though, I mean, roll a, 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 Adrian. Adrian Curry could probably should should probably go on Joe's show. She'd be great. Yeah, yeah, she'd be, be absolutely great. hilarious. Uh, here we go. Um, Amos Moses says, when are you going to have Texas congressional candidate Brandon Herrera, a.k.a. A.K. Jesus on? Um, he is coming on. And I love how people are saying, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> he's already got he's already got shirts. Uh, say, let's go, um, yeah. Uh, Bunker oh, branding uh, awesome. demolition. Matt from demolition uh, demolition nation or whatever. He made shirts for him already. You can get them at uh, dem- on at Matt's website. All right. You know, before we close the show, I'd like to ask you about your book a little bit. I don't want to override super chats, but I do want to know what's in that. Oh, yeah. So uh, my book, I don't know if people can see it all there, if I should grab it, but uh, it's called Loomer. Do you want me to grab it? Or oh, they can see it. Yeah, so it's an autobiography, but it's also uh, a historical 
really documentation of how we got to this point in this country with the cancel culture and the deplatforming movement. From my perspective, as a canary in the coal mine, I was one of the first people uh, to really be deplatformed and digitally exterminated everywhere until I got my Twitter account back in December. And uh, the book is called Loomered, How I Became the Most Banned Woman in the World. And I want to remind people that, yeah, I'm on Twitter, but I'm still banned everywhere else. I'm still banned on PayPal, uh, GoFundMe, Venmo, Cash App, I Instagram. Think, I don't right? think most most normies, I don't think realize exactly how much crap Laura's had to go through. I didn't through. know, to be honest. Like your, your no average idea. person well, doesn't know. how much I've done know. too, right? Well, I mean. Because people just say, oh, that they read my Wikipedia page, which reads like a serial killer's. Actually, there are serial, serial killers that have better Wikipedia that, pages than me. Like, yeah, the stuff that you've done is all kind of hilarious and, and awesome. But it's been but impactful. The, it's actually changed. Oh, yeah. It's actually changed the political course of our of our country. I mean, people don't know that my undercover investigative work in the Clinton campaign was utilized during the debates and actually or, or, helped facilitate uh, President Trump getting elected. Or, or, or that you were an OG Veritas reporter. That's what I'm saying. When yeah. I was undercover at Veritas and the stuff that I did with Pelosi and the stuff that uh, I did, of course, with Twitter, they don't know about the lawsuits I filed because I've been, like I said, silenced for the last several years. A lot of people don't even know that I ran for Congress because my campaign was the only campaign in the nation's and I had access to creating social media. So we talked about, people have asked, we got to go quick because we're, we're over, but uh, what is the key to success? And we, we often talk about, they did a study and they found perseverance, that you know, unwilling to give up. And I just want to stress, stress the, you, all you did was took a cheap little pair of handcuffs. <laughs> it was handcuffs, right? It was handcuffs, yeah. but it wasn't just a pair. I knew that they were going to try to cut the bolt. So, you did more than so one. I had uh, my handcuffs have a metal bar welded over it so that they couldn't cut it. And there so then I also threw the key down the drain right on the sidewalk <laughs> so that they wouldn't be able to use the key. So There's, they had to the, actually chop it off with that, you know, that jaw. What do they call it? Jaws of life. The jaws of yeah. life. They had to use jaws of life. Bolt, yes. there's, there's no barrier to entry to that kind of nonviolent civil disobedience in protest, which generates worldly attention. Yeah, well, that's why I tell people, and I've been saying it for years, and this has been my motto for at least seven years now, civil disobedience is the way forward, okay? You don't have to be violent, but civil disobedience and acts of acts of revolt against, uh, uh, against um, authority, peaceful, okay, creative, artistic, uh, yeah. public, like I've done, is the way forward because it's provocative and it makes people think. Yes. All right, everybody, if you haven't already, would you kindly smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends, become a member at TimCast.com to support our work directly. You can follow the show at TimCastIRL. You can follow me personally everywhere at TimCast. Laura, do you want to shout anything out? Yeah, so uh, you can subscribe to my Substack and read my reports. It's lauralumer.substack.com. And you can get my uh, my book on my website, loomerd.com. Uh, and also, please be sure that you're following me on Twitter, uh, Gab, Truth Social, and Getter at Laura Loomer, and on Telegram at Loomerd Official. I am uh, Phil That Remains Official on Instagram. I'm Phil That Remains on X. You can follow the band on the band is all that remains. You can follow us on Spotify, uh, what else? Pandora. You can follow us on Apple. Twitter, Apple, Apple Music, on YouTube, the whole line. Amazon know. Music. Yeah, you know, the yeah. internet. So Amazon the Music. Internet. I always forget them, you know. The internet. The internet. I'm Ian Crossland. Speaking of the internet, you can follow me there at Ian Crossland, pretty much on every uh, social media site that I'm on. And look for my crazy hair, because I'll probably have a picture with one. that. <laughs> to make sure it's me. I'm the real Ian Crossland. There's other ones out there, but it's me. Good to meet you, Laura. Yeah, really nice meeting you. I really uh, enjoy the show, and I'm a I'm a fan, and I really appreciate you inviting me. My first time here, and I had a great time. Right on. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, my first time, really. 
You guys can follow me at Kellen PDL on X. Also follow Cast Brew Coffee on X. It's the Twitter account for our coffee company. Are you running that? Uh, I am not, oh. but it's like what, two days ago, I think it yeah. was set up and I was just there. So I know about it. We're just basically going to be posting a bunch of skits. Like, yeah, it'll just be like writing, mini Cast Castle. We're writing a bunch of jokes and we're just laughing about <laughs> our plans and just, you know. I saw some footage today. Did you- did Wesley show you the? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah, it's gonna be. Yeah. It's pretty nice. Just silly nonsense. They're they're uh, masters of um, special effects. I really appreciate it's, it's, it's Aaron and Wesley, man. It's uh, it's funny. Yeah. All right, you shout, you shout, you shout, you shout, you shout. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Have a good night, guys. All right, everybody. We will uh, see you all with clips throughout the weekend, and then we'll be back on Monday. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.